Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the social media to my Ask Me Anything, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? I'm doing good. Hello, hello, everybody out there. The big 5-0, Jonathan. Can you feel it? I know, I'm calling it the mid-centennial. The mid-centennial? You like that? I feel like I should toss a trademark on that, because that, <laughs> that feels good. <laughs> it's got a nice ring to it. Mid-centennial. Mid-centennial. I can dig it. I can dig it. I'll go with it. We'll see how we'll see how it feels. We'll use it for the rest of the episode. <laughs> well, and it's a very special mid-centennial celebration because, as always, we're going to start off with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on, and you guys help us do all the fun stuff that we do. Without you, the show just wouldn't be the same, and perhaps not even be around. That's true. That's true. Hey, Jonathan. Yes. I don't know if you can tell, but I was poking around on the internet uh, last episode, and I found a cool calendar that tells you what the national day is and what's the national day today buddy the national day when this episode airs will be national nacho day so happy national nacho day everybody well let me get jalapeno business yeah that's right it's nacho problem and and here's the thing it sent me down a wicked (laughs) i I missed something i will break you i missed something i missed a joke that was at my expense (laughs) you didn't you didn't get the jalapeno I I completely I was on a train of thought. And you, <laughs> you said something and it didn't. Re- I'm gonna you know it's gonna be awful. I'm gonna go back and edit this later, and I'm gonna hear the joke. I'm gonna be really upset because either I'm gonna think of some retort that was quite witty, or worse yet, it was actually kind of insulting. And I should be mad at you right now, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> the stealth pun. Anyway, Wikipedia spirals on the, the history of nachos was quite entertaining. And invented in forty three, forty three. So, yes, happy National Nacho Day, Jonathan. Happy National Nacho Day. <laughs> and if you would like this to continue to be a thing, because I am deeply in love with having an excuse to look at this calendar every couple of weeks, please let us know in the comments and such. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. I know. Oh. That's three Mexican food puns in the same, like, 20 seconds. Like, I'm on fire. Oh. Oh, God, Jonathan. I'm I'm sitting here, and I've got... I, I'm holding the, the bridge of my nose. Oh, just, I'm just sorry. Just... I don't give a guac. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this is so amusing today. Yeah. <laughs> I had Thai food today, man. Are you on the Sudafed still? Is that what's going on? No, no. <coughs> what can I say? I'm just really punny. Should you be on the Sudafed? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I get caught in my throat sometimes. Do you need some tea? Some <sighs> I do need to for the... my meds in a minute, but whatever. I can wait. All right, let's, 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 let's get back to business. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jonathan. Do, do I need to do the next part? Can no, I, do I need to take over as host? Okay, let's go. Well, as always, folks, we're going to start off with our off-the-shelf segment. And, of course, in this segment, we talk about all the cool stuff that we're taking off of our shelves and putting onto our tables. Robert, let's take it uh, Let's take it from the reverse today. I'm thinking video games first, yeah? 
we always do video games first. That's not the reverse at all. Uh, it's a reverse from what's on the paper, sir. Reverse from what's on. Okay, but not what's ac- what we actually do from a week to week basis. So the normal thing is that what you want to do? <laughs> sure, man. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So last week you tried to uh, inception me with Civilization Six. Do you remember? I did. I do. You did. By the way, you did a very poor job of keeping that in my brain because you didn't send me anything else. However. Yes, you did Inception me. I I did think about it all week, but I did not buy it, and I'll tell you why. So I was looking at the app. I was like, oh, I miss playing Civilization, and I was thinking about it, and then I log on to Facebook, and they're like, "Uh, Civilization Six is, you know, know, super cheap this weekend. Buy it now. And over on Steam, Civilization Six indeed, was very cheap that weekend. I was like, oh, man, if it's that cheap on the app... I might have to get it because, you know, I, I would play. It was like 20 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, I could play 20 bucks worth of Civ 6 for a long, long time. But no, it was still full price over on the app. And I'm like, well, you know what? No. But it's in your pocket. But the games, the, it's a $20 game now. It's not sixty. It's not worth $60 anymore. They made it worth $20. So it, when it becomes $20 over in the app, I will consider it again. But for now, it is dead to me. So ha. How much is the app? I thought it was 20 bucks. No, it's 60, man. It's 60 to get the whole shish kebab. Yeah, it's got in-app purchases. Oh, and, and to, I see yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't get the full meal. You just get a little taste. You get a little appetizer if you get it and then it's 60 for the full meal. So yeah. I don't know. It plays so exquisitely though. Inception, yes, but I did not buy it. So you failed ultimately. I just ah, want you to know. It's a long con, buddy. It's a long con. Touche. All right. Any other video games? Uh, not that I wrote down. Is there I mean, a hole in your heart? It's called Dragon Quest. There's a bit of a hole in my heart. I, I'm just, I keep, I keep going to the library. I have rented so many RPGs, like so many, and none of them are filling the void. It, I just play them. I'm like, these are Dragon Quest. Do you listen to that Gary Jewell song, Mad World, his cover of Mad World? Uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge music guy. You'll have to sing it for me a little hey, bit. Have you seen, uh, Donnie Darko? No. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. you're familiar with the song Mad World by Tears for Fears? Yes. Okay, I know the song you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, it's a slow piano version. Yeah, yeah. Just look all sullen that. in the corner. But yeah, I've done Star Ocean. I've done Final Fantasy XII. All around me are familiar RPGs. None of them are so happy. Oh, this is not going anywhere good. <laughs> you are no Wayne Brady, sir. <sighs> But yeah, that's it. I mean, I've, I've played a little Overwatch to kind of pass the time, but I, yeah, I've, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Uh, my buddy uh, has been playing on his computer this game called Night Chasers, which actually looks really good. They don't have it at the library, but Black Friday's coming up, so I, I will keep an eye out for that. If that is cheap on Black Friday, I may end up getting it. Yeah, I'm holding out on some Black Friday stuff, too. I'm hoping that the, the, the couple that, you know, more recent Assassin Creed, Assassin's Creed games get cheap, because I'm a couple games behind. Yeah, yeah. I've heard the new one's really good. And the Egypt one, it, well, it's Egypt, so it just looks cool. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be quite, quite good. And that's one of the ones that I haven't had a chance to play yet. And if it gets cheap, I will grab it. Uh, how about you? What have you been playing? Uh, well, I have had a chance to play um, some video games this last couple of weeks. I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Nice. Uh, it seems to be the game that I can play with friends, which is really cool. Uh, continuing to play the occasional Battle of Fortnite. Not so much anymore. I think Black Ops has kind of unseated it. And then I see that you're playing uh, Grand Theft Horse. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, last week, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. I've been waiting for this game since I beat Red Dead Redemption 1 eight years ago, and so far it does not disappoint. It is a tour de force in every way. 
and it understands what a western is. It's a slow burn. It's uh, it's it's intense. I'm really enjoying it. Let, let me ask you a question. I, I did not play the first one. I I missed that boat. Should I? Should I jump on with the second one? Because I know it's a prequel. All right. Well, let me let me break it down to you like this. If you want to understand the evolution of the games, then you should play Red Dead Redemption 1 first. If you are more concerned about the narrative of the games, then playing them this one first and then the next one or the, the original one's second is fine. So I won't like not understand what's going on not having no, played the first No, it's one. a self-contained story, and if you do know the story, you're like, oh, hey, look, it's that guy, and oh, hey, look, it's that guy. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Yeah, I've been, I've been looking at stuff on that. I, I, yeah, I mean, westerns are fun. Oh, man, westerns are one of my favorite genres. And it's, I mean, like, it, from a visual standpoint, it's just jaw-dropping. Just jaw-dropping. Nice. How about reading? Any reading? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Jonathan, are you aware that my library, the local library here in Portland, is quite nice? Oh, you quite keep nice. sending me pictures. It's disgusting. <laughs> so, uh, Simon Stahls, uh, the Tales from the Loop guy, uh, he, last year he wrote a, or he kickstarted another book called The Electric State, and it came out, and my library got it. Dude, I can't believe your library has that game. That's nuts. Yeah, or, book, book. It's a book. Or, did uh, I say game? I meant book. Yeah, yeah, they don't have things from the flood, but they have this. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I can. Whatever, man. It's a start. Like that's just amazing. Like what a neat thing to have in a library. Yeah, yeah. So I read it, and wow, wow. So it is unconnected from Tales from the Loop. The the artist confirmed that, and also the fact that they sold the movie rights to this book and the TV rights to Tales from the Loop separately. Probably not in the same universe. But holy crap, is it dark? Yeah, that's what you were saying in uh, some (laughs) text. Oh my god. So it actually is a novel. Like, it's got an A to B to C story. It's really interestingly written because it takes place in some sort of parallel universe. Because it takes place in 97, and they talk about, like, you know, Nirvana. And, you know, they'll show billboards of stuff. And there's things that you recognize, you know, like the Burger Kings and the Lucky Groceries and stuff like that. But then, you know, there's this. (laughs) Oh, that takes me back. That was a California brand. Yeah, it was. I I don't know if all of our listeners will understand what Lucky was. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I vaguely remember it. Like I, I I remember the billboards. Lucky, will you marry me? And I'm like, and it was like the merger with Vons or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, do you remember Three's a Crowd? That was Lucky. Uh, no, I don't. And Lucky, of course, for those of us who are uh, apparently gro- grocery uh, grocery historian, <laughs> Lucky was formerly known as Food Basket. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I filled my cart at the food basket in my youth, let me tell you. Oh, my God. This sounds like a Wikipedia spiral. I need to <laughs> so, yes, there's that. But then, basically, the, the backstory is sometime in the early 90s, uh, uh, like, the government developed really high-end, like, virtual reality drone technology where, you know, you put, like, this headset on and you, like, become the drone or something. And so... There were all these drone pilots, and there was some sort of war, and I'm not sure what kind of war. It's implied that it was a civil war because they don't call California California. They call it Pacifica, and apparently it's its own country. So I, I don't know. I don't know. They're very vague on what happened, and, and it, it's kind of fun because it's one of those those properties where, like, they answer just enough to kind of get you thinking, you know, but then they sort of just leave it there. And, you, and so you're trying to, like, piece together the story, which is always fun because headcanon's fun. And uh, hopefully they just never come back to it because when you actually answer those questions, you're always disappointed because the answers in your head are your favorite because you came up with them. 
But yeah, and and it's about this girl who her mom, I think, used to do that. I'm not sure. Oh, but here's the thing. Uh, one of the side effects, because the, the drone technology like really gets in your head, is... Oh, actually, this is dark. I don't know if I want to go there. Well, I'll just tell you, and I'll, maybe I'll cut it out. Yeah, like uh, anybody who got pregnant while they were flying those drones, their, their kids didn't make it. Why? They were stillborn because the VR messes with you. Wow, that's cr- that is dark. And, and, and it's kind of a harbinger of things to come because then that, that drone technology gets out to the masses and becomes like the new TV, basically, where people like put on their headsets and go VRing. And and so in the narrative of the story, there's there's basically an apocalypse on like the, the end of the world is nigh. And it's because the VR version 1.06, there was something in it and it did bad. It's doing bad stuff. I, I hesitate to call it zombie apocalypse because that doesn't quite explain it. But it, it's it's on that level. Like people people are people are on the VR and there are weird things are happening to them because of it. And yeah it's it's a weird story man (laughs) sounds cool though yeah it is it's about a girl who's coming from she starts it in like nevada but nevada is like this dust bowl now and they something bad happened there during the war and she's trying to get to pacifica and she's got a robot sidekick who acts like a little kid that she's taking care of and as the story progresses you find out more about her relationship with that robot and more about the past and like she she just had an awful life and then the reason she's just not on the vr is she's got some sort of uh, eye disorder so she can't, it doesn't work on her when she puts it on all she sees is black it doesn't do anything to her so she's just avoided the whole thing and so you know just kind of on this weird road trip from you know nevada ish all the way clear through to uh just north of san francisco and just seeing the state of the world as it slowly slowly unravels around around her is is it's fascinating it's just dark and you're like uh yeah uh. i read a review and i completely agree with it like you know how tales from the loop when you look at that art you really like think about it afterward like it, yeah. gets, it worms its way into your head yeah. and just kind of sits there and it's like yeah like being a kid in the 80s with robots it would be amazing and you're you're like you know you're just thinking about that and it's just fun this does the exact same thing but it's dark and unsettling and you're just sort of like creeped out by it for a really long time <laughs> that really speaks to the, the 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 strength of the artistic expression. I mean, that's that's high praise, really. Yeah, no, it's, it's unsettling excellent. or not. I mean, that's that's the highest praise, really, you can give give something like that. Yeah, and I mean, if you get it, you'll read it in like a couple hours because you know, I mean, every page only has like three paragraphs of text on it. Most of it's just the art book of these images of the slow burn apocalypse taking over California, basically. But oh, ooh. Oh, it's just yeah. It was it was it was dark. Like it it went places several times where I was like, "Damn!" Do we need to petition Ray Greenlee to uh, narrate this? Yeah, yeah, Ray. <laughs> I, I I don't know how to how to set you up with the uh, the free league, but oh, and here's the best part. Here's the best part. So I was reading an interview with the artist guy, and you know what he did to prep for the book because uh, he grew up in Sweden, you know, but he got kind of tired of painting Sweden, and he got this idea to, for the story, but he didn't want to do it in Sweden for some reason. He was like, "Yeah, we should go do it in America." And and so he sort of like kind of like looked at the map and kind of figured out where he wanted to be. And he's like, yeah, I want to paint like California landscapes because California is, you know, like the coast and all that's got its own sort of thing going on. Yeah. 
that's different than Swedish coasts. And he's like, yeah, I want to paint that. And I want to paint deserts because he really liked painting Boulder City. And he's like, yeah, I want to do more of that. And so uh, him, his wife and his mom, uh, they did they did the trip in reverse order. So they started in San Francisco and then went out into the desert and like, you know, took pictures. And yeah, they just went on this road trip where, you know, they were charting the course of the apocalypse, but they were just listening to like 90s alternative rock the whole way and singing along and taking pictures and having a happy that family. That sounds like the best week ever. I know, right? <laughs> Can you and I do that? Like, in all seriousness, I would totally go on that voyage with you. And he got to write it off because it was prepped for that book. <laughs> Like, we can do show prep? Does that count? <laughs> we need to actually have a business for that to count, sir. Not just two guys on a website. We have to go file our DBAs and whatnot and our, our business entities. Two freaking studs on a website. What, what? <laughs> what, what? I know, right? <laughs> the Electric State. Highly recommend it. It's, it's great. Like, I, I was... Ugh. <laughs> it was really good. It was really good, and it was real dark. <laughs> That might be the best uh, rating system ever. I give it two. <laughs> and and a, ooh, dang. <laughs> two us and a ho. Oh, oh, hey now. <laughs> That's what I loved about it cuz you know like I I'm really used to the zombie apocalypse and that that sort of fast burn like just just stuff falls apart instantly and this yeah. isn't it. It's this real slow burn apocalypse cuz she goes to places that are fine. You know, but then she goes to places and things are not fine in those places. And it's and it's that drone technology and whatever's going on with that drone technology. Like some places it's not doing it because and it's like, what? yeah, ah. anyway. Yeah, I don't want no spoilers. No spoilers. Sorry, that, that got too close to spoilers. But oh, it's a good book. It's a good book. I highly recommend you read anything. Why? Yes, Robert. I have had an opportunity to read recently. What is this? I, I'm looking at your list. Well, you know, I'm into DCS world, right? Right. So the launch trailer for the F-14 Tomcat was released, and they say that by the end of winter, I will be flying my Tomcat. So I promptly went on Amazon, and I ordered Volume 1 and 2 of the Navy Operations Flight Manual for operating the F-14 Tomcat. (laughs) Because it is no longer classified, and it is a hell of a read. I'm really enjoying it. (laughs) If, uh... If, if you scream out Danger Zone in the presence of that book, will it catch on fire? <laughs> no, I tried. <laughs> but if you'd like to know what the maximum allowable angle of attack for rudder deflection is at any given time, I can give you those numbers. <laughs> oh, God. And I was just thinking that this morning. Right? I know. I know. Do you want to know which, uh, you know, want to know which circuit breaker to pop if you uh, are getting misreadings from your pitot tubes? Well, um, I... I don't, tell inform me, Jonathan. Which one? <laughs> I can show you on this handy diagram I have right here. Oh, how nice! How nice! Let's take a picture of that. Send it to me. Here is a uh, here's a lovely, lovely chart showing uh, the uh, regions of where the the engine is prone to stalling. Oh. Now this is the legit Navy flight ops manual that was written by the U.S. Navy for Tomcat pilots. And after a while, all this stuff gets declassified, and somebody actually took the time to print it into a, a, a two-volume book. <laughs> I love it. And it cut, it cut, it's all the diagrams, all the Navy, the, the Navy notations and stuff. It's really fascinating. It's, it's so neat if you're into aircraft. Are you sending me a picture? Or am, where am I looking for this, in Skype or am, in no, chat? I'm going to text it to you. I text you. I text you a pile of Thai food, and you text me... Army or Navy aircraft. Navy, please, animal. Uh, I corrected myself. I like those buttons. They look like the dashboard of Kit. 
<laughs> well, same same basic time uh, time era. Well, I'm glad you have your hobby. I didn't get a chance to watch you play that game while I was there. That kind of disappoints me. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. I would have shown it to you in a heartbeat. Yeah, you showed me the hat, I, but I should have watched the actual game. Come to think of it. <sighs> yeah, I need to get full VR eventually, but uh, expensive. I uh, I can't get VR because I would drive my family insane. Because if I had any form of VR helmet on my head, I would just be sitting there the whole time going, We are, we are VR. <laughs> Troopers 3, go! Virtual reality. Yeah, so that's, that's the reading I've been doing. <laughs> nice. It tickles like two sides of me, man. Like it gets the, the histor- uh, historian in me and it gets the flight guy in me. I just wish it would just burst into flame if you scream Danger Zone on it. <laughs> well, the first night that I was reading it, I did have Top Gun on in the background. Nice. Like, it starts playing those chords and just, like, the whole book, book starts shuddering. <laughs> you know? Like, like you displayed the Elder Sign to the Necronomicon or something. That'd be awesome. It's It's been kind of interesting, some of the weird things about the Tomcat. I, I did not realize it. It was a tempestuous airplane. Like, it is not an easy aircraft to fly. Well, that's how you know Maverick was a badass. He flew it well. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, this remember, this was designed in the uh, late 60s and first flew in 1972. So this is still decidedly of the analog era. Yeah, nice. Buttons are cool. I don't know. I don't know what movie it was. And I still remember it to this day where there's some point in the movie where they're in like an F-14 or some plane like that. And somebody says switch to optical sensors. And just the guy in the back just starts looking around. <laughs> true very true <laughs> and and i i don't know if that's one of those like things i kind of remember like like it didn't happen and i'm just mashing like because it was a, definitely a childhood thing but i still have that 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 in my head somewhere because i was like what are they what optic- do you remember what? the show super carrier it was it was short-lived right after top gun was on the air it was a it was a t- tv drama one hour tv drama set on an aircraft carrier <laughs> and go 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 to youtube and watch the trailer it's as bad as you think like i could see the logo in my head which is weird but i don't know anything about it go go check it out it's amazing it's amazing original release march 6th to may 14th 1988 oh you know it's gonna be quality all right all right, all right. <laughs> are you sure you're not in <laughs> i am am i am clear as clear-headed as i've been in weeks <laughs> so uh let's talk about tv then let's let's move on, move on. <laughs> so apple on the apple tv released like the apple tv app or something like that and we were kind of going through it and it's a little bit cheesy because it just pulls every app that you are watching tv on and sort of like aggregates it all in one place but that is how we found out that the nbc app has old episodes of amazing stories that you can watch <gasps> for free shut up <laughs> yes oh with yes. that cheesy cheesy uh 3d night in the opening credits Yes, yes. I remember that show. That show was great. It was a Spielberg joint, wasn't it? Yeah, that show has not aged well, sir. I, I couldn't <laughs> imagine it had. No, oh, oh my. Like, remember how we're talking about in the 80s and, and just people were, were saying things that we just would not say now and plot lines that we would not do? Oh. Yeah, like, like this is like the textbook of like, wow. You know, one, one of the guys on the Facebook page brought that up. Uh, he brought watched uh, uh, Monster Squad. Monster I, Squad I think it was Brendan was, was bringing that up and l- let me tell you he's absolutely right I can't deny any of that no and, and yes it, it, I'm constantly torn when I'm watching old old movies like this between 
the very pleasant memories that it brings me and the uh, horrifying realization that we don't speak like that anymore. Or or the lessons it's teaching people who are viewing it yeah, now. Yeah, and it's, it's weird because there's certain movies today that after I get done with them, watching them with the kids, like I don't even think to have a conversation with them, but it turns out that everything from the 80s, including such favorite as, Go- uh, as Goonies, I realized like after we watch it, I'm always sitting down and having to have a talk with the kids about it. <laughs> Some of the things that they just saw. <laughs> it was like when I watched Stand By Me and, and Kiefer Sutherland and his little crew and just how awful they were to like these like 10 year old boys. Yeah. And you're like, damn, yeah. man, did that really happen? Like, like I remember watching that movie when I was a kid and it like felt true. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was, you, ah. using Monster Squad is just a uh, little microcosm there. It's kind of entertaining because at the end I had to talk to my kids about don't smoke. <laughs> yeah because they had a, a a kid smoking fat shaming's bad yeah yeah fat shaming is bad don't be a bully let's just let's just go over the me too movement and big broad strokes because we're gonna cover a lot of bases there with this movie brendan brings up a re- great point yeah let's not forget that uh, we had to have a little discussion about not extorting another person with uh illegally taken nude pictures yeah 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 it's uh it's the 80s man we were a special wonderful time yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've gone back to that stuff like way too many times. I mean, not, and not even that. Like, um, like one of the movies, one of the the last movies I kind of remember like being really nostalgic about because it just seemed to speak to me at the time was American Pie, and I rewatched that oh, recently. Man. Oh, it's rough. Uh yeah. Wow. Like I was like, oh my god. Yeah. It's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I. Oh, it's so weird. I don't know. It's weird. Things have changed. This is the age that you and I are in, I guess. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. Things have changed for the better. Oh, I'm, hey. I'm, I'm, and, and it's not like we're the only generation this is happening to. Because let me tell no. you, when I go back and watch uh, From Russia with Love, the James Bond movie, and he, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's slapping the hysterical woman to calm her down. Like, yeah, ours wasn't the only generation suffering from this. Make no mistake. N- no, no. Yeah, yeah. James we're just Bond the latest movie. in a long line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so you watched you some uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Robert, I don't even know where to begin with this thing. I, I haven't seen it. I... It's the prettiest hot mess I've ever seen in my life. Really? It, it's a gorgeous movie. I mean, like, special effects have come so far. Like, there's so many dinosaurs on screen at any given time. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But that being yeah. said, it's a complete recycling of Lost World, which wasn't the best movie to begin with, frankly. If you think about that movie, if you think back on it, and and all the good parts you remember of it, are all the good parts just Jeff Goldblum talking and carrying yeah, the scene much. on his back? You know what you don't recycle, Robert? You know what's not recyclable? Hmm. Turds. Turds are not recyclable. I agree. I don't get me wrong. I like I like Chris Pratt. I like Chris Pratt quite a bit. Oh, he's a good actor. You know what? He's super likable. And even then, like I'm finding myself just generally annoyed at him because it's it's like no no realistic human being does this. Stop it. Yeah, and if it was Jeff Goldblum doing it, I can oh, buy it. Jeff Goldblum's, Jeff Goldblum's a bit thing. of a weirdo. He's a bit of a weirdo. I don't know if you've noticed. Jeff Goldblum's got this whole long soliloquy at the beginning and the end. Well, there you go. Best part of the movie? Did I lose you? Oh, no, I'm just struggling to figure it out. <laughs> the Jeff Goldblum. I mean, even the Jeff Goldblum stuff hurt a little bit. Okay. <laughs> All right, so completely off topic. So we're watching the movie, and spoiler alert, just in case... Uh, you haven't seen it yet, which, I mean, just don't. Uh, took one for the team on that one. But anyway, spoiler alert, there's a, a scene uh, where the volcano is exploding and this brachiosaur is 
Am I going to kill it for you? No, I'm, I'm going to watch it streaming if I watch it okay. at all. So this Brachiosaur is standing on the end of a dock looking at this, this ship that has just escaped the volcano, right? And it's slowly getting consumed by smoke and it's, you know, the, the music swells and it's a very touching scene about extinction, blah, blah, blah. And Sophia <laughs> looks at the TV and says, oh, no, is he dying? And Lincoln says, yes, he has to die. <laughs> I'm just sitting there just like, what is happening? I don't know how to deal with this. Oh, kids saying creepy things. I can't wait. Yes. I can't oh, wait. Yes. He has to die. Oh, I can't wait to have my own stories about this and buddy another year or two. No, you're there. You're there, buddy. You're getting there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One, one of them's talking a lot now. Trying out words for size. It's so cute to watch. It's like you get to watch his brain grow right in front of you every day. I've been continuing with the Doctor Who. Nice. Nice. I hear really good things about the new series. The new series is really good. They, uh, Chris, uh, Chris chinball chinball is his name i forget the the new guy uh, the new showrunner he is really into this notion of getting the show back to its roots and i don't mean like eggleston david Tennant roots although they've been doing that as well i'm talking like he's reaching back in time and it's like what what has doctor who done in the past that it just hasn't done in a while and so you know they uh they kind of like toned everything down so the doctor is not uh you know, the doctor's smart, but doesn't seem to like know everything and isn't completely hyperly competent is just very competent, which is a definite shift and you notice it, but it's good. And, uh, this past episode, Oh my God, they went there. Cause, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the, the original show was conceived to be a, you know, kind of like edutainment where they would, uh, get people to watch the educational stuff by throwing in sci-fi things yeah. every so often. So, you know, the, the idea was you would do like a historical thing where they would like really drill down into the history and then you would have space aliens for the next arc and then you'd go back and they did that for the first arc and then they did Daleks and it was kind of over at that point. But yeah, no, they went there. The, the last episode it was called Rosa and it was about Rosa Parks yeah, and it, 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 it was heavy. It was heavy. And and speaking of shows that you watch with your children and get to have conversations about afterward is like, oh, wow. I'm like, OK, OK. Yeah. And there's a bit to unpack on this. Let's let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, no, it was it was really good. And then uh, there, a new episode just aired. I haven't seen it yet because we we bought it on the iTunes because uh, we have cut our cords so we can watch it tonight. Actually, with what we're going to do after we get done here. And uh, I know it's called uh, Arachnids in the UK, and it's going back to the classic Doctor Who tradition of having uh, monsters pop up. And uh, apparently, uh, uh, one of the one of the characters, her name is Yaz. They introduce Yaz's family, and uh, you know, people are are the review I read gave them very high marks. That you know, it reminded them of a lot of like the Tenant era families that they would go visit occasionally. You know, like Rose's mom and and Donna's grandpa and all that. And he, he you know, the guy was like, yeah, it's nice because we we actually haven't done that in a long time, and it's nice to kind of ground the show with somebody's family. That's cool. That's super cool. I, I, I'm looking forward to watching this one. So I, I, I got to give it high marks. The only thing I don't love about the new show, because everything is like hitting everything I want it to. Uh, the new composer, I'm just kind of iffy about. And and I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of a music snob and I'm trying not to hate. I'm not feeling the new composer and I, it'll probably grow on me. Oh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. But again, nitpicky nitpicky complaint is is very high praise because that's like the only thing I could think of. The show's been really fun. And my daughter doesn't know this yet, but my daughter's birthday is coming up uh, the day after Halloween. And she's been really digging uh, Lady Doctor. Yes, your birthday too. That is correct. I forgot about that. 
Uh, I have you both listed on my alarm, though, on my phone. But yes, uh, she is getting a Doctor Who Sonic screwdriver. Good stuff. There you go. Yeah. Teaching the kid, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah, she really likes Lady Doc. She wanted to go as Lady Doc during Halloween, but she announced this, you know. A bit too late. Yeah, a bit too late. <laughs> We're like, uh, no. <laughs> Guess what, kiddo? You got 12 and a half months to plan this out for next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's like what we kind of, you know, that's what we kind of did it on. And uh, so you're still watching Star Trek? Anything new to report? No, um, I, I I think I've watched maybe three or four episodes since the last time we spoke. Nothing uh, mind-blowing, but, uh, you know, continuing to improve for Deep Space Nine. And, man, Star Trek Next Gen just went out on such a high. That that last season's so good. Dude, that last episode is so good. I haven't gotten there yet, but, yeah, I know uh, what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, okay, we, we maybe I'll watch All Good Things again, and we'll talk about it in 51. There you go, there you go. Yeah, oh, I love All Good Things. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about show finales. That was, like, I think the perfect show finale, because I, there's, like, there's like a couple of things you want out of, out of the ending of a show. One, you want a good story, uh, you know, just to kind of go out on a high point, so it has to be, like, a good story. Uh, and two, you want to know these characters that you've spent time with, where they're going to go. And, like, because of the time travel shenanigans and all good things, you get to kind of, like, see the future, you know? And everybody, I, not everybody's not perfect, but their story kind of continued, and you get to see this glimpse of their future. And then and then the storyline of the future thing gives you hope that, like, the, the bad things that have happened to some of the characters will turn around and that they'll all be friends again. And it's, like, perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm very hard-pressed to think of a finale that was not better than that. Like, I, I, it's, I can't, I, it's hard to think of one. I mean, like, ending a show of any kind is so difficult, and they really do nail it. They really, really nail it. Anyway, we'll talk about it in 51. We'll talk about it in 51. I'll go watch it again. <clears throat> Anything else? Uh... uh, Yes. So, two things. Uh, first off, shout out to my daughter's school. They're, they're doing a chess club, which my daughter is in, which is awesome. She's learning how to play actual factual chess. And, uh, you know, she talks to me about it and, and I haven't played chess in forever, but I'm, I'm like, I got to go get like a cheapo chessboard just so we can play at home. But it's just very cool because I was, I was thinking about it and foundationally, if you want to get into gaming of a lot of sorts, like chess is like kind of the root of a lot of things, Yeah, you know, no kidding, no kidding. It's really one of the oldest currently played abstracts out there. Agreed. So it, it's so cool that, you know, the, her school, I, and, you know, it's probably because some teacher just really loves chess, but, you know, good on good on them, like, you know, and they have a really good program because they, they, they have three teachers, actually, that do it. And so they have a beginner's room, a, you know, intermediate room, and an advanced room. And uh, my daughter, of course, was in the beginner's room. And the way they taught him was fun. Uh, they, the, the first day, they just gave him the king, the queen, and all the pawns, and that was it. And they said, go to town. You know, they taught them all the moves and then they played a game like that. And then the next week they added in uh, the castles, the rooks. And then the next week they added in the bishops. And then they finally just added in the knights. And uh, tomorrow is their first day of like everything, I think. And she seems to be really enjoying it. And she talks more about like, you know, friends she's made and, and, you know, but, you know, it's all foundationally. It's just it's good. So I I was like, yeah, that's I don't know. I I was just really impressed. I'm digging this whole experience of the chess club. Sounds like they're doing it right. I so I watch I watch YouTube and I watch people play Planet Coaster because I can't play it because I don't have a cool PC and uh, I watch this guy called Mass Bandit and he for a change of pace 
uh, decided to do something small with Planet Coaster because most people build like big, crazy amusement parks and big, crazy rides and big, you know, it's like, oh, the sky's the limit because it's all just ones and zeros. Right. And he's like, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a pumpkin patch. And, you know, like I used to go to when I was a kid. And so he's been making it Planet Coaster, and it's been oddly captivating to, to watch because, you know, instead of making, like, I'm going to make a giant haunted maze, you know, he's like, I'm going to make a barn. And, you know, and him trying to make a barn look good, and he's like, yeah, I remember this, you know, they had this stupid ride, so he's, like, trying to make this, like, stupid little carnival sideshow thing, you know, like, game, you know, and make it look right. And I was just like, this is amazing. And it reminded me that uh, there's a pumpkin patch I used to pass by a lot during the summer. When I'd be out with the family, I'm like, this sounds like the perfect thing to go do with my daughter as like a birthday. Let's go have some daddy daughter time. And so I went out to the pumpkin patch. I've never done that. It was not a thing. And, you know, as a boy in Southern California, and it was super cute. You know, it's kind of like kind of like a fair almost. But, you know, you go out there, you eat. There's a corn maze. (laughs) It was just it was just stupid fun. I mean, my daughter, like getting really into like the corn maze because there's like a game in the corn maze. It's basically Clue. But you got to like instead of pulling cards off of a board of a board game, you have to like actually physically roam around the maze and find crap. Yeah, we had a good time. So, yeah, if if there's if there's a pumpkin patch near you and there won't be because this will come out after Halloween. So think about it for next year gentle listener and that goes for you jonathan have you ever been to a pumpkin patch i have they can be really creepy which i like and this one this one was super cool they they um they had like a little farmer's market building uh attached you know and uh they were they were selling a lot of random stuff but uh my wife when i left she was like get me something pumpkin because you know she's a to use a uh, the good place is a way of swearing because we're a family podcast. She's a she's a basic bench, and she's like, I'm a basic bench. Get me something pumpkin spice, and and I got her pumpkin butter, and I bought some apple cider, and it's delicious, and it's great. Oh oh, and you know what she's never had? You know what she's never had? She's never had rhubarb pie. She's wanted to have rhubarb pie oh, I forever. We're gonna go with dignity. <laughs> Now my wife has no dignity, <laughs> but she has never had rhubarb pie. And they had like a little personal rhubarb pie there. And I'm like, this is perfect because I want to take a bite of rhubarb pie because I remember like thinking it was okay, but not liking it too much. And then she can have her slice of rhubarb pie and like check that off the bucket list. So yeah, highly recommend, sir. And the Mass Bandit guy, he lives in Houston. So, and he says there's one out there that he takes his family to. So there has to be one out not near Austin somewhere, I, I would assume. What, I'd hope. Pumpkin patch? Yeah. yeah there's a couple of them. There's a couple big ones. Sweetberry Farms down off uh, 1431, like way, way, way west. What are you doing? Go there with your family. You we have. Go- we've did- gone every year pretty much. We haven't gone this year yet, but the year is young. Well, it's almost Halloween. You can't You can't get a pumpkin. You, ha- you have like two days to get a pumpkin. We have pumpkins. Oh, well, there you go. Anyway, yeah, it was uh, so, so shout out to to the guy I was watching because I'd completely forgotten about it until he started doing it. And, my, and it gave me the idea to actually physically go do it, which which is super cool. Hopefully that's happened with one of our view. If it happened to you, if us just randomly talking about nonsense on the Internet has made you like go do something random that you just wouldn't have thought about. Like, please let us know, because I think that's super neat. And I think that's it for me until we get to board games, sir. All right. Well, that, of course, brings us to our board game segment where we talk about all the board games that we've had on the shelf or off of the shelf. And Robert, what have you had off the shelf? I bought my copy of Happy Little Accidents at Target. Oh, (laughs) have you played it yet? Yes. Yes. Speaking of things my daughter loves, she loves that game. Did Did the magic hold true for you just like it did when we played it together? Yeah, yeah, it was really great. We've been playing the, the it a game lot. Is magnificent. It and it's just so simple. It it on paper that game shouldn't work. 
As simple as it is, and as short of a segment it'll probably spawn, I think we've decided to deep dive that one next oh, time. <laughs> absolutely, definitely. <laughs> this, this game deserves all the love in the world, and it deserves to have millions of copies moved. I in, indeed, and and playing it with a seven year old, and she plays it well, and it's it's quite fun. And then my my wife is a, was an art major, so she just you know draws pieces that outshine us all, and we hate her. I, but I still love you, baby. But I hate you when I play that game. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, we've been playing the games over on the board game arena. Yes, yes, yes. Which is simultaneously awesome and frustrating. And it's only frustrating because I'm playing it on my phone. And that's not fair to the website because the website could have been designed for a, a browser. Yeah, it's not too bad on the iPad. I, that's that's what I generally maybe, play maybe it on. Maybe that's my problem because I'm playing it on the phone and I keep accidentally hitting the wrong thing. And 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 here is one piece of negative feedback that I'm going to give it. And because there is no um, there's no backup button before you submit the move. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and it, it's like, you know, like playing Carcassonne. I, I think I ended up with 14 points, which is unheard of. But it's because I kept dropping things in the wrong place, which I didn't want to do. And there was no way for me to adjust. Yeah, that is weird. At least not on the phone. I couldn't figure out a way to to modify my move after putting it down if I put it down in the wrong area, which is, you know, again, no big deal. I'm playing awesome board games on the web with people around the country. And that is a minor miracle in and of itself. Yeah, it's kind of fun. So yeah, we've been playing Seven Wonders, and I think we're waiting on you, last time I checked, to complete that game. Uh, are you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And we've been playing Carcassonne, and... No, our Carcassonne uh, you, game ended. Yeah, our Carcassonne game ended, and you and I didn't win. And we're also about to boot up, what is it, Taka, Taka, Takanoko? Takano, or no, Takaido. 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 Takaido, yes, yes. And I've been watching videos on how to play that game, because I've never played it before. Oh man, it's the world's most chill game. Yeah, it seems like it seems like uh, they posted a video over on our, our Facebook group. Uh, it was like learn how to play it in five minutes. And we, we watched that and then we started watching uh, Will Wheaton and crew uh, play play that over on the tabletop game or the tabletop channel or whatever. And yeah, we were. Uh, yeah, it seems really simple. It's so weird. Like is, I, there's, I, I see, so, there's, there's quite a bit of strategy, uh, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. That one seems like it, it seems like a good fit for the the interface too. Uh, it does. Uh, probably the best one of anything that I, we've played so far. Although Seven Wonders is pretty straightforward. I, I've been having a great time with Seven Wonders. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I love Seven there's, Wonders. There's Jeff. nothing too finicky about the uh, <coughs> the interface. The other games that we played are Imminent Domain and Carcassonne, and both of them like require some very specific button presses. Yeah. And since there's no way to back it up if your finger hits the wrong thing, because sometimes I'll need to scroll with the phone, you know, and this, yeah. it'll pick up the scroll as, as a placement. Yeah. Yeah. Or God forbid I try and zoom in a little bit like it does not <laughs> like that at all. <laughs> no, no, I did that, too. I did that on my computer and it was a little pissy about it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, nothing to do with the games. The games themselves are fantastic and they're, they're as good as they are on the table. This is just a, the nature of a web interface being crammed onto a phone and you know hashtag first world problems honestly <laughs> first world problems so have you played anything analog uh yes yes i had a chance to play a couple games um do i need to get the list out no I, i'm i'm like some okay yes yes jonathan good dale good. dale came over we played some custom heroes and tiny epic zombies um he wanted uh, he wanted to see the way that worked and we played uh co-op as opposed to uh, one versus many, which was interesting. Um, I've kind of honestly, I prefer the one versus many. It feels like that's the way the game was originally designed. It, it, the co-op works, 
but it doesn't actively feel like there's enough of a challenge because there's no crafty human being trying to, you know, snooker your day. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, it, it ends up working. It's great. Um, I just think that the other mode is more engaging and entertaining and interesting. And then we uh, we sat down and we played some Takanoko, which is a classic with the panda eating the bamboo. <laughs> and, uh, man, let me tell you, Dale and I got to... Uh, <laughs> We, we were just kind of, he was, it felt like he was wiping the table with me. And then just all of a sudden I managed to clear out a bunch of cards in one, one fell move. And he wasn't able to come back from it. It was a, it was a, a come from behind victory. It was quite sweet. I relished it. That's good. And then finally, uh, Dale got his Reckoners Kickstarter in the mail. So we sat down and played the Reckoners and it's oh. cool. I really enjoyed it. And it's a beautiful production too. Just gorgeous, gorgeous production. But it's the most engaging game with a Yahtzee mechanic I've, I think I've ever played. Like, it was super engaging. Is it just called The Reckoners or something? Yeah, The Reckoners. It's based on the Brandon Sanderson books. So basically, uh, superheroes are real and they're jerks. Like, they are not good people. They've let the power go to their heads. And so uh, you play as a band of normal humans who are trying to uh, wipe out the superhero menace. It's a full co-op game. Um, lots of dice rolling. All sides of the dice are important. They all have value and meaning, which is really kind of neat because it makes it feel like, I don't know, it makes oh, it feel like yeah, I remember this. There's, there's, okay. never a, there's never a bad roll. It's just a matter of if you can do the things that you're trying to do. Yeah, I remember this game. I saw it. Speaking of which, if you like that premise, I think it's Amazon is going to make a TV show out of a comic called The Boys, which, which damn, speaking of things that are dark, he, do you know what The Boys is about? No, I can't say I do. Okay, so basically, okay, so sometime in the the distant past, somebody basically invents super soldier serum and it gives people superpowers, yada, yada, yada. But again, the the superheroes are are basically jerks, and it's written by, who's it written by? It's written by Garth Ennis. Have you read anything by Garth Ennis? No, I can't say I have. Garth Ennis will go there. He will go there a lot. Uh, One of the arcs... uh, that I remember, and I think this may move us out of a, a safe for work podcast, but the, the arc is called Herogasm. And uh, <laughs> I remember I remember the cover of the trade of this was, it was a mirror with two lines of cocaine on it and one of the superheroes getting ready to have a good time, if you catch my meaning. And it's basically like the, the, the beginning of it, the heroes go like, yeah, we're, uh, there's like, like Galactus or something's coming and we got to all go into space because like we're protecting you. And then they actually fly off to a hotel somewhere on a tropical Island and they just have lots of graphic debauchery and Garth Ennis goes there and it's all drawn out. And that is the type of superheroes these are. And it's about a group of people who are also super powered through various means who basically are trying to keep these jerks in check because they're, they're just awful. The lead character is based very clearly based on Simon Pegg, and I think he has a cameo in the TV series, but obviously he's too old to play the part because it's like, you know, the comic book's like 20 years old or something at this point, so it's very young Simon Pegg it's based on. And he joins the boys because he's at like a county fair, and, uh, you know, he's with his girlfriend, and they're all like in love, and they're being sweet to each other, and then they do that thing where they're literally like holding hands and like spinning, you know? You know how how people in love do that in like the 1950s movies? Oh yeah, all the time. And then all of a sudden he sees something rush by and he's just standing there holding his girlfriend's arms and like basically the flash ran into her. 
or the Flash, air quotes, the Flash, ran into her while he was fighting a supervillain. And then he's like, oh, I killed your girlfriend. That sucks. And he runs off to go fight more supervillainy. And he's just standing there holding his dead girlfriend's arms. And and that's kind of how he gets recruited. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Happy times. Yes. But if you like that premise, if you, if you like the premise of superheroes are jerks and you need a group of uh, superpowered people to sort of keep him in check, there there is going to be a TV show. And you could read the comic. And the comic is... It's it's pretty there. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna save saying too much more about it because I have a feeling we're gonna be deep diving this one. I really was enjoying myself. Okay, groovy, groovy. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our off the shelf segment, and we are gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, it is time for a new and interesting twist on wisdom of crowds, wisdom of us. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by doing one of the following. You can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash fmdpodcast. We also have Facebook comments enabled for all our posts at forgotmydice.com. You can also message us or tweet us on Twitter. Find us at forgotmydice. You can join us on Patreon, where we post outtakes and other bonus content. And if you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Store. Lastly, for those of you who want control to sanction the podcast, pick up your shoe phone and call Agent 82. Chief, it's acceptable to get podcasts on our wristwatches. It won't be distracting. I, I just don't even know what's happening right now. Well, it's classified, Jonathan. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, we've got to get these things upgraded from the 1960s. And welcome back. It is now time for our wisdom of, well, in this case, it's the wisdom of us. We're turning it upside down for the mid-centennial. So this is episode 50, and and traditionally when you do the big 50 numbers or the hundreds, or I, I don't know quite how it's supposed to go, but we get to be a, a little bit self-indulgent and uh, because it's 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 50 it's a number it's one of those numbers I mean, some would argue that a podcast about the stuff we love is somewhat self-indulgent to begin with <laughs> just saying let's, let's not sugarcoat it but this will be even more a <laughs> testament to our own ego it'll be greater grander are we supposed to celebrate that Yes. I mean, we, we need a career in politics. Yes. Normally what you get is all of us, but this segment, my friends, is all just id. <laughs> <laughs> On that bombshell. Yeah. So we've never done this before. <laughs> really? It doesn't show. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how we're supposed to do that. Uh, but I... I, I <laughs> shut up, Jonathan. I hate you. I thought it'd be fun to just... <laughs> I thought it'd be fun just to take a quick look behind the scenes uh, before we get started on our, our Q&A that uh, our lovely listeners submitted and just uh, talk a little bit about, you know, the origins, so to speak, of the show, like where we got this bright idea and, and, and all that jazz. So and as we will circle around back to a little bit later in this uh, in this episode, uh, we met at my old shop. We did indeed. We did indeed. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? One of my earliest, very tangible memories of you is uh, running into you at Costco. 
because I was like listening to podcasts and I was like way up in my own head because I was just like I just just bang out this Costco and you like said hi to me and I like legit didn't recognize you for like a good beat <laughs> and uh, and then I, and then I did and I didn't want to like blow you off but I was kind of like in you, you know when you're a parent and you get to have your little vacation where you're just like listening to a podcast and you just don't and you know at the time i, I owned the store and just, i just didn't want to talk to what's anybody. it say about us that we consider a trip to costco a vacation because i'm right there with you buddy i am right there with you not even for a heartbeat am i am, am i not picking up what you're putting down because that is a legit break like that's freaking cabo yeah <laughs> yes it is you're just you know it's like you get a little snack and, and you get to listen to a podcast oh and these, just, these, these are lovely these yeah. are lo- and you, you say i can buy these these in the box they're called australian bread this is fantastic i know uh but yeah that's that's uh that's how we met we met at my old shop and and used to this happened a lot but because i had my daughter there frequently often a lot uh, a lot of like nerdy dads would just come bring their children and like we would just let our children go terrorize the store while we would chat because, <laughs> you know, like during the day when it wasn't terribly busy, you know, it, you know, it was like, whatever, whatever. Who, who are they going to annoy? There's nobody here playing games. It's just us. <laughs> that was my early my earliest memory of you is bumping into you at Costco. And I kind of brushed you off and I felt bad about it later. But and I hope you didn't mind. <laughs> Well, then how did I rope you into the old podcast? So so for those of you, uh, a lot of folks know that I had a podcast before this one. Uh, it ran for about a year. and um, It was good, too. I liked your podcast. I was very proud of it. I thought we did a great job. Uh, unfortunately, my, my podcasting partner had to bow out for personal reasons. And, uh, and then he promptly moved away, which is like kind of what I did. <laughs> yeah I, what the hell man i know it is like, true hey you want to do a podcast together all right get the hell out of the state <laughs> this is offering to offering to, to to make entertainment for the masses is apparently my uh my way of, of population control <laughs> apparently <laughs> oh sorry what were we getting at your old podcast oh yeah so how is it that i ended up roping you in because i mean we we were trying to be we were trying to speak to multiple audiences because we both, my partner and I, had a, a deep love of not just board games but, but RPGs as well. But both of us just had a board game background. We didn't have an RPG background. It was either the Changeling or the Delta Green. I think it was the Delta Green original Kickstarter popped up, and, and I have just a gigantic love for that property. So I was like trying to get you guys to like do something about it on your podcast because I wanted it to make more money. So. <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like telling you about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, blah, you should totally do this and, uh, and and you should cover this. And in the back of my head, I always kind of had this like vague notion like I should like watch you guys record or something because I kind of wanted to make a podcast for Forgot My Dice because we were doing the, the D&D stuff back then. Or I, I, I had this vague notion I wanted to do a podcast. I remember that much. And so when you suggested that I come in to be like your subject matter expert on on this RPG to cover it. Uh, I, I kind of jumped at it cause I wanted to, uh, I wanted to learn how to do the podcasting and, and I'm, I'm a better at like hands-on, like watching a video on the internet doesn't really do much for me when it comes to that stuff. I just want to see it done just to kind of get the feel of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like when you, when you suggested that, like, I, I, I don't know if I offered or you suggested it, but that, that was my hidden motive. I just, I wanted to make my own podcast. And so I was going to like, kind of just watch how you guys did it. And well, it's not like you were secretive about it. You came right out and told me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was all for it because I'm, I, there's always room for more podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, I came up with the, the joke that I would be your senior RPG correspondent 
a la the the Colbert Report because every or, or no, it was the Daily Show where everybody's just the senior something or other expert, <laughs> which is still a good gag. I'm just saying. And yeah, I I, I did Delta Green. And I did I did uh, Changeling for you guys too because that was during that run. And uh, and then I produced. We got one segment in before it folded. Of of just I, I forget what we called our little segment, but we got one in. And and basically cleared up out like a half hour of you guys having to do stuff because you guys did a lot of show. Yeah, that that, that show was massive. Uh, it was a three to four hour show twice uh, biweekly. I don't know how you guys did that. It was a beast. It was. I mean, truth be told, it was too much. Like I look at these shows like Secret Cabal, and I mean, look, even D six generation folded from, yeah. from that format. It's 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 heinous amounts of work. And Secret Cabal to maintain that format, they actually had one of the guys quit his job and like he's full-time podcast now yeah yeah i don't doubt it i don't doubt that at all that was our early days and then yeah your, your podcast folded and i still had the, the notion in my head to run a podcast and by then we were definitely doing the D stuff and uh so i was like hey why don't we like uh why don't we mix our, our peanut butter and our, our m&ms or whatever and and just you know start up a forgot my dice podcast because i already had the website and the rest is history. And the rest is history. And we started out with three hosts. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Our our, our third host, he just I don't know. I, I'm still buddies with him. Like, yeah, we we talk a lot. So he yeah. tried it. Hey, he tried it on for size. It just didn't fit. No yeah, big deal. No big deal. No big deal. And here's the thing: he's still here in spirit because a lot of the stuff I talk about is based off of conversations I've had with him. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, you regularly say, "Hey, hey, hey, hey." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wants us to talk about this. Yeah, he's here in spirit. He's just he's just contributing in the in the way he he wants he's to. He's our which silent is, partner. That's right. Which is like through me, and then and then, and then it's great because it's like I have a writing room because I get like two people's worth of intelligence. And I just wanted to share this one little story because I think it's funny. And I don't know if I mentioned it in the show before. And if this is a repeat, I apologize. Uh, so our very, very first bumper where I we, we do that stupid gag, uh, you know, where the, the current one is, is... Which one? We specialize in stupid gag. That's true. Well, the, the, the one we're doing currently is the Get Smart thing, you know, where I talk about Agent 86 and all that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the original one was, was uh, based on Harry Potter. And uh, it was it's a direct shout out to I used to work uh, Wizards of the Coast very briefly had retail stores and like malls. And I worked at one back in the day, like uh, Wizards of the Coast actually also had their own Counter-Strike servers. If this tells you the era of. (laughs) And so we'd play on the Wizards Counter-Strike server. Uh, everybody who worked there together and at some point like we had like a clan name and we could look at our clan stats and we kind of like wanted to like reset our clan because like we'd gotten better at the game and we had all the like our early games where we sucked like weighing us down and we wanted to see you know where our skill was now and so we're like we should make a new clan and at the time the harry potter card game was new (laughs) and so we got this bright idea to call ourselves the hogwarts clan and then just to add insult to injury, we decided that when we play, we would we would name ourselves after Hogwarts students, and then we would role play that we were them playing Counter Strike. <laughs> hey dog, I heard you like geeky, so I put geeky on your geeky so that you can geek while you geek. Yeah, people hated us. They hated us because like we were we were just like obnoxious assholes. Yes, we were just obnoxious. And the gag was they were like, "Well, how are you playing this in Hogwarts?" And we'd say we we're playing it on our crystal balls, which is where the crystal ball came from. And and people would accuse people us of kick your crystal balls. Yeah, and people would accuse us of cheating all the time because we were actually pretty good. And and we would, like we do not study the dark arts. I mean, we were just awful. And it all came to a head. Um, so there was the guy in IT at Wizards who ran all this stuff. I forget what his name was. We'll just call him Dave for now. 
So anyway, there's this one day where we were doing our shenanigans and like Dave had like given administrative powers to a couple of regular players and we were doing our thing and the guy just lost it on us. He lost it. He's like, shut up, shut up. I hate what you, and he's just screaming, like screaming at us. This was all in text, but he's like all caps, multiple exclamation points misspellings because he's just pounding the keyboard just frustration at at our shenanigans <laughs> and i and i respond to him with i would he's like i'm gonna ban you from the server if you see one more gd thing just, just just screaming at us and i say i wouldn't recommend that sir and he go and he goes like why what are you gonna do are you gonna pull out your wand with the phoenix feather are you gonna cast a spell on me you're gonna give me a pig st-? and he, he obviously had like read harry potter because i i don't even I, the movies were either new or whatever but he was like referencing harry potter and like clearly this guy had like read the books and and he was just just i i just imagine him on the other end just like frothing at the mouth i mean it, it was it was intense and and he's like what are you gonna do what could you do to me and i said well i could contact dave and i could get your administrative powers revoked for kicking somebody just because you don't like them and you're abusing your power and then there was this pregnant pause and he's like i'm sorry and it was never spoke of again To, to my old Watsy pals, uh, Robert, Robbie, Chris, Chris, Teresa, Tony, and Mike, I miss you guys. It was a good, that was a good time. That was a good time in my life. And uh, yeah, Hogwarts clan for life. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like 100% a dick move. <laughs> Man, we used, to, we used to aggravate people back on Xbox, the original Xbox, so much. Because, you know, it had the chat headset. And that was yeah. the whole big thing is you had multiplayer with, with audio chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we had the Doctor's Clan on Rainbow Six, and we all had DR as our clan tag. And so we'd, we'd all enter the room, and we'd be sitting in the lobby, just doctor, 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 <laughs> doctor, doctor. <laughs> people would get so angry. <laughs> and, oh, man. Some people would get so upset. And, of course, afterwards, we were making all kinds of, like, medical analogies. Like, I do declare that last round was rather surgical. <laughs> Uh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, the internet in its infancy. Yeah, yeah. And now here we are spouting out our nonsense. <laughs> Fortnightly? Yeah. What's a fortnight? <laughs> <laughs> so we asked, uh, we asked you, dear listeners, to give us questions, and you did. And mo- half of them are from Ray Greenley, <laughs> and and most of the other. We love you too, Ray. And uh, and the other half are from Brendan, and we love you. We love you the most. And we're gonna answer we love all you, Brendan. of them. We're going to answer all of them. Brendan, I'm staring at my copy of Cromlech. Jonathan, what's our first question? So our first question is, I'm playing a D&D game in Waterdeep, and I hardly know anything about it. What do I need to know? Oh, my God. There's so much here, Ray. Waterdeep. Oh, it's so good. Still waters run deep, baby. The waters do. It's, it's <laughs> named appropriately after the harbor because it's you go. deep water. And mermaids live out there, sir. You know that? They mermaids can't the- be trusted. They, they, they live out in the harbor, and they, they protect the harbor from undersea invaders. <laughs> Sebastian sounds angry. What? Sebastian the crab. That's, yeah. Don't, don't, don't. I'm, I'm so close to singing that whole song. <laughs> Down where it's wetter. <laughs> Take it from me. Waterdeep is, uh, it, it's... <laughs> Shut up, I'm going to ignore you. Waterdeep is the city that all other cities in the Forgotten Realms hold themselves. They're the bar. 
Do I have to take my headset off again? Do I have to do that again? Oh my god. (laughs) In short, it looks like ye generic fantasy city, probably like medieval London, but in reality it's a port of call from all over, so there's a little bit of everything there. And its system of governance is weird. They have masked lords who are disguised so no one can like corrupt them or whatever. And then one person's like the president and they're the unmasked lord. And it is just a large bitchin' city. There's not much to know other, uh, about that other than that, except there's also a gigantic dungeon underneath the town uh, ran by a crazy mage and uh, water deep dungeon of the mad mage. Like, yeah, that's it. That's it's, it's under dark. It's that's yeah. Or, or under mountain. It's that, it, that's the, that's the whole thing. I hear up on the shore. They work all day. Yes. I, I wrote down so much stuff and we can't get into it. There, there's just too yeah. much. Out in the sun, they slave away. Go away, Jonathan. Go away. <laughs> Come on. There's a uh, there's a ton of books about Waterdeep, uh, written for every edition of D and D, and and just pick up one of them if you want to know more. But it's it's a great city for adventuring because it's got a crazy dungeon underneath it. Now, every time that you mention Waterdeep, I always think of uh, the Lords of Waterdeep board game. Yep. Because one thing that you said is, oh wow, there's so much cannon on this board. Yes, that is true. And that's the beauty of the game. Like, uh, like all the lords are actually the movers and shakers, like named NPCs from second, third edition days of the game. And when you get the uh, the scoundrels expansion, the scoundrels of Waterdeep, scoundrels of Skullport. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, like one of the guys you get is Xanathar, and that's you know Xanathar's guide to everything. Like that's that's that dude. Yeah, it's really cool. Like you know, when they talk about like all the locations on the map, those are like actual locations on that map. I haven't shared it in a while. But this is a good story about Waterdeep. Uh, so when they originally asked Ed Greenwood, because Ed Greenwood had been making the city in his head forever, uh, about Waterdeep, uh, he sent them this package, and it was like a map of the city, and it was drawn out on 8 by 11 you know, like, copy paper. And apparently when they, like, arranged it uh, <laughs> um, out in the parking lot, it was something like 20 by 30 feet. And, uh, and it was just this detailed, crazy map of the city that was really well done. But the problem was there were just, like, a ton of brothels in Waterdeep. And they didn't know what to do about that because, you know, you can't have brothels in a D&D game. So they just changed all the names of the brothels to fest halls and called it a day. A lot of fest halls in uh, Waterdeep. A lot of fest halls in Waterdeep. So, yes, if you're going to a fest hall, I always assumed they were like casinos, I guess. But no, no, they're actually brothels. But yeah, Waterdeep, it survived apocalypses. They're under mountain. There's a city called Skullport underneath there, too, which is just, you know, it's the super shady part of town. And there's good drow, and it's it's nuts, and it's it's a it's it's everything. Basically, think of any cool thing that you could ever see. Hope to see in any medieval city, and it's it there's it's there somewhere in Waterdeep, and mass lords, and the harpers, and great for yeah, just too much. Part of me wishes that they would make a D and D world, kind of like the Harry Potter theme park and Disneyland and stuff, and it would be cool if the whole theme park was built around Waterdeep. Yeah, that would like yeah, you could do a land pretty easily. There could be a cool museum called Xanathar's Guide to, Guide to Everything. Yeah, I like the way you, you think. Totally do it. Yeah, you, you're welcome. Yeah, Hasbro World. Yeah, you could just have D and D land. It could just be water deep. It'd be great. I also want you to remember that the fluke is the Duke of Soul. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much right now. Just remember each each little slug here, cutting a rug here under the <sighs> sea. I could do this all day. Yeah, I know you can. I know you can. Oh, having daughters. That's what. That's what makes me. That's what makes me sad. Don't be sad. Be glad. Hey, you, Jonathan. <laughs> Let's move on, Jonathan. Let's move on. Let's All move on. righty. Oh, hold so, on. I'll, I'll, I'm going to ask this to you. I'm going to ask this to you. 
So friend of the show and Patreon backer Brendan asks us, Jonathan keeps mentioning his top five. What are those top five games? And Robert, what are your top five role-playing games? That's always such a tough question to, to answer. Because I'll, I'll be the first to admit, the top five is a, a, an ever-evolving concept, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't really like top five. Like, I, I take top five as, like, a, as a grouping and not as, like, a numerical value. Like, one isn't yeah, always one. exactly. Because one shifts based off of, like, what you need that day. I, I will say that the, 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 the top five games that I think about on a regular basis, I would kind of call my top five. They're, they're games where if somebody said, hey, let's throw this on the table, I would always, under any circumstances, say, oh, yes, let me sit down. <laughs> and I, I, I think the first one, it's, it's pretty obvious if you've listened to the show at all, and that's Scythe. I just love me some Scythe. Nice. I agree. There's just nothing about that game that doesn't just please me on, on a, a guttural level. Like, it's just, it's the perfect blend of theme and Euro mechanics. It's easy and approachable, and yet, you know, it, it, as deep as you want it to be. And it's just such a neat world. I just I have so much, so much love for Scythe. What about you? What's, what's your first pick of the group? Uh, in no particular order, I'll go with Knights Black Agents because I love me some conspiracy horror and I love me some killing vampires and uh, and super spies are fun too. And this just gets all of that mixed into a big pie. Nice, a big vampire killing spy pie. Nice. I, next up for me is going to be Legendary Encounters Alien. Mm. I've always loved deck builders uh, since day one, but this takes it to a whole new level because it adds uh, story elements and it perfectly captures uh, a movie. In fact, I would say it's the first licensed game I ever played that perfectly captured the essence of its license uh, without compromising gameplay. Nice. It was, it, it's brilliant on, on every level. I absolutely enjoy it. And it's, it's super, super fun every day, every day, every time you play. And this, this legendary format lends itself so well to narrative structure because I've got Predator, I've got Firefly, I've got Buffy, and I've got X-Files. And they're all equally as fun. But Alien just takes it a cut above the others. It just... I don't know why it's so good. There's something about the mix of concepts and gameplay that just shines a little bit brighter in the Alien game. My next in no particular order actually is, is an oddball, but uh, the Iron Kingdoms RPGs, I really like them for a lot of reasons. It's such a cool world. Yeah, it's a very cool world, and you know the, the combat system is just directly based off of War Machine, which makes it super unapproachable. <laughs> like it, It's a super specific game, but the main concepts that I really like about it are um, I really like character generation because it gives you just enough choices to make you believe that you actually have choices where you kind of, kind of don't, and I like the whole notion that you have two classes and then you jam to get you jam them together to kind of build your character because it allows you to take classes that aren't super optimized for combat because as long as one of your two classes are you're probably fine and if both of them are there's like a lot of weird overlap but also you get to kind of tell yourself a story you know because if you're saying to yourself like oh i want to build a paladin you know they don't really have like a paladin class in there but you take any of the more melee focused things and then you take the priest class and you jam them together it's like i'm a militant paladin here we go or it's like i i want to be a you know, a CSI kind of technician. So I want to like be an alchemist because I want to have like chemicals and stuff. And then I'll take the investigator class because it's investigations and chemicals. Boom. 
And uh, it, it even works over on the the Horde side. The Horde side is is just good. You just, you just jamming two classes together. It really lets you kind of tell a story in your own head about like where how your guy got that like suite of skills. And yeah, there's a lot of classes, but it's basically like you take a template, which is your character race. You take a template, which is uh, your party role. You take a third template, which is one of your classes, a fourth template, which is your second class. And then you sort of add a couple of random points and you generate your character. It's super easy. And it, it, it's just great. Like character design wise, like that it's, it's great. You can crank out a, a fairly mechanically complex character really quickly. And then the combat is super duper technical. If I want to scratch that itch, since I'm very familiar with the War Machine game the way it's run anyway, and I want to have a game that's like super duper, super duper fiddly, and and yeah, I just that's that's my go-to. And the world is super awesome, and there's a lot of cool lore and Gator Men and Warjacks and stuff. I think next for me is going to be Mansions of Madness. It's a more recent edition, but um, my goodness, that game is just so much fun. I don't know what's better, just the narrative structure of it or the fact that as you buy more stuff for it, it instantly folds it into the game, even if you're playing through one of the earlier scenarios. It's not just about new scenarios. It's about integrating the other components and making a unique and interesting story and event every time. It's neat because it it really blurs the line between what a board game is and what a role-playing game is yeah and i really like that uh it's not often you see board games being narrative i've heard of a few like uh, arabian nights and whatnot that i really have wanted to try out but every time i find a copy of arabian nights oh my lord it is expensive so your third my third in no particular order uh delta green i mentioned it previously uh any any iteration of it um the original one was fun because it mixed the cthulhu mythos with like 90s ufo conspiracy lore and I was a 90s UFO conspiracy nut job back in the day. And uh, let me just say, 90s conspiracies were, like, way cooler than the conspiracies now because since the internet was nascent and, you know, it wasn't as, as social media as we are right now, any, uh, any conspiracy theory you made kind of had to pass a bar of, of possible believability and, like, it doesn't just fall apart when you start thinking about logistics, which a lot of conspiracy theories right now do. <laughs> but uh yeah yeah and then the current iteration of it's great <laughs> it's just it's just so it's so bleak just cthulhu in the modern day you can't go much better than that and uh yeah i love it delta green is great conspiracy horror is, is a thing i like knights black agents is good when you want to win at the end and delta green i mean it's cthulhu and the premise of cthulhu is investigating cthulhu is ultimately going to bring about your doom and it's corruptive. And so if you if you want to be a bleak nihilist, then you go play Delta Green. So what's your fourth one, Jonathan? Uh, I mean, I would be remiss, especially this time of year, if I did not mention Fury of Dracula. I mean, Fury of Dracula is so brilliant. I mean, every edition has been brilliant. But this, these, these latest editions are just knock your socks off. Because it fixes what I considered to be the weakest part of the game, which was the combat. And makes it interesting and engaging. The map is perfectly suited for a combination of... Uh, giving the investigators a chance to hit the path while giving the Dracula player a chance to hide. It's it's a very tenuously balanced game that, that never becomes unbalanced, in my in my opinion. It's it's the perfect blend of offense and defense for the, the vampire player and uh, investigation and coordination for the, the investigator players. It's just, it's great. It's so fantastic. And, and speaking of games that blur lines a little bit between board games and role-playing games that's what i yeah no kidding no kidding 
Uh, we we just talked about that one last episode, I think. So go back and listen to it if you're if yeah. you had. Whenever I play Dracula, I end up getting very thematic. <laughs> like I, I try and take the way Dracula would. Well, I'll I'll do the one that I would be remiss. Uh, like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> like you you can't escape the D and D ever. I don't think I'd ever call it my favorite game, but it's it's just the one I always go back to sooner or later. You know. It's like I, I go out and get something, but that's 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 my RPG comfort meal, and I don't know what to add to that. It's the game, it's the bar, it's the thing everybody, almost everybody plays first. And if you play RPGs, almost everybody's got D and D story of some sort, and you know it's the tie that binds in the RPG community. Even if you it wasn't your first game, that's kind of the tie that binds because then you get to say, well, my first game was actually this other one. You go, oh my god, there you go, D and D. And what's your final one? See, that's where it gets tough for me because there's so many games that I want to include. Um, so I will just say, without going too deeply into any one of them, it would kind of be a tie and, and any one of these games could unseat another one depending on you know how good my last game of it was. Does that yeah, make sense? That makes sense. Forbidden Stars, which is the Warhammer 40k 4X game. And it's probably one of the best 4X games on the market, if not the best 4X game on the market. It's just so, so good. Star Trek Ascendancy, which is another 4X game that's just mind-blowing. And that's another one that captures its source material so well. Like Ryan Lockett's entire catalog. Because I just love the way he thinks and I love the way he makes engine builders. But in particular, Above and Below is just really just a standout for me. It's the one I keep going back to. Blood Rage, which is the perfect balance between uh, aggression and um, just kind of advanced tactics. And and it's one of those games that rewards multiple playthroughs because the better you know it, the uh, the better you play it. And then finally, Star Wars Armada, which to me is the, the most fun I've ever had with a miniatures game. And if I could add something to your list, Fluffy Bunny Tea Party. <laughs> yes, I'm going to have to agree with you there because that game always makes me laugh. Yes, it does. So maybe we should deep dive that someday for speaking of hard to get games. I got two kind of that, that are my, 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 my thing. Uh, I, I'd have to say Fate is a really good game. Uh, anytime I want to just emulate sort of a narrative structure, Fate's just the easiest one to sort of plug it into. I've, I've had this weird fascination with kids solving mysteries games. Uh, Tales from the Loop is obviously yeah, so much fun so much fun uh bubble gumshoe i i, I really love just because i love the gumshoe system and it's just it's the gumshoe kids system and uh, i you know there's there's more on top of that but yeah I, i've been looking for something where i could play i think that's probably going to be better for my kids when they hit a certain age uh, especially once they start looking away from D because that's what i assume i'll play with them first and uh do you, do you have any rpgs that maybe should be on my list that i didn't say out loud jonathan um I'll beat you. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll make it hard for you. And also on that list should be Genesis. Jonathan, do you have another game <laughs> besides Genesis and Star Wars and all the games that it's based on? I mean, you mean RPG-wise? Yeah, yeah. Something other than Genesis. I'm going to make it hard on you. That that I'm just like head over heels madly in love with? Something that should just be on this list of good games. And that, that you haven't already said? That I haven't already said, and not Genesis. And not Genesis? Why is Genesis out? Genesis is out because it's the easy pick. It's the low-hanging fruit. I want you to reach. I want you to reach, Jonathan. I want you to think. Not saying Genesis is bad. That's not, that's not what I'm going Genesis is quite good. I've read it too. And, and all the games that it's based on are, are quite good. I haven't read L5R yet, but I've read, I, I read Star Wars. And again, the only reason I didn't buy that game is I'm heavily invested in the previous version of Star Wars. So, but that's not saying the current one's bad because it's not. It's, it's quite good. And I like the Genesis system quite a bit. 
Honestly, uh, uh, two immediately come to mind. One of them is the End of the World series. Nice. Because it's uh, fully encapsulated in a single a single session that you do in one night. And that's the whole concept. And it's all about, you know, like you're sitting at the table and the things that are around you are the, thing, the equipment that you have available to you. And you go from there. Anything else? Honestly, like Tales from the Loop and the other one is Dresden Files. Dresden Files RPG is so good. Fate, Fate again. Fate's a good system. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's it's such a call-out source material because that, that source material is so well thought out. I mean, they got the they got Jim Butcher involved in, in creating the, the, the RPG source books. Yeah, well, he's, he's a buddy of theirs. And the, the city-building chapter on that is probably one of the best things I've ever read. Uh, agreed. Agreed. It's probably the best world-building in any RPG where you build your own world, out of, out, without a doubt. Yeah, and I like that the players get involved. That, and there's a really interesting little indie RPG that I, I highly recommend. It's called Downfall. And um, the whole concept is you guys create the world together and then you destroy it together. <laughs> and it's, it's about the end of that, that world that you just created. You know, I, I think the shows that you haven't played it for a while, I'm surprised you didn't mention Fantasy. No, you know what? I love Fantasy. And yes, you're right. I have not played it in a while, which is why it's not on the tip of my tongue. But man, that, that's such a great system. It's like <laughs> anime brought to life. If, like, you see, if you see that guy at a, at a convention, uh, like go, go play his demo game. It's hilarious. Yeah, Calvin Johns is uh, the creator of Fantasy, and he's made a couple different RPG systems, and he's, he's, he's good stuff. Like, he's a great guy. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to do some part two of our Wisdom of Us segment. And with any good part two, what are we going to call it, Robert? Electric Boogaloo! <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be right back after a quick break. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And we are back, and as with any great sequel, that means the heroes are back. The budget's slightly bigger. Our take is probably going to be slightly lower in true Hollywood fashion. I don't know where I'm going with this. The jokes will be recycled. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to kind of cover the same ground. (laughs) It's about this time that I would uh, bring in the uh, joke about uh, Sebastian, the crab. (laughs) Look, see, we still got a laugh out of it. All right, well, friend of the show, Ray, asks, my new D&D character is part of the faction Force Grey. Tell me why I should care about Force Grey in spite of the weak sauce name. <laughs> and that is a weak sauce name. There's no doubt there. So Force Grey uh, did not... a primary color. <laughs> Force Grey did not exist until uh, the stream, the gaming stream that invented it uh, existed. They did a celebrity stream where they they sort of invented Force Grey, and they sort of invented it as the idea of you are part adventurer, part special ops. You know, when they need deniability or whatever, who do they call? They call the crazy adventurers that work on Force Grey. Uh, it started life as Watsy's web series having celebrities play Storm King's Thunder, and it was kind of retroactively inserted into the timeline because... Uh, they jumped ahead about 125 years during 4th edition, so it got its start sometime around then. <laughs> uh, it was started by Kelvin Arnson, a.k.a. Kelvin Blackstaff, before his death. And then there have been many other people who have run it. Uh, and the current leader is uh, 
Varja Shafir. Uh, she's from Tether, which is Spain, I guess. And uh, she's a described as a small woman who's quite skilled at magic. And she was once able to cast a spell while paralyzed. So, huh, think about that. Uh, and she's known as the Black Staff because uh, it's a magical artifact that exists. And when you get when you become the bearer of the Black Staff, you get the cool tower. And there isn't just one Black Staff. Apparently, there's quite a few. And so you can kind of pick which one is appropriate for your fashion sense at the time. Uh, Kelvin himself never left the tower with the same one twice, but sometimes people take specific ones. But there's apparently quite a few. And it's kind of like Sith style. There's the master and the apprentice. So you can have someone who can also have the black staff. But anybody else, if you touch them, you get like hurt or whatever. But yeah, they're basically special forces. You're, you're kind of like the elite of the elite kind of D&D super spies. I guess that's the best way to say it. It's actually kind of cool. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know much about them, honestly, because I didn't watch uh, I didn't watch that stream. And I, so I, I got to go down the wiki wiki spiral despite their weak sauce name. They're, they're actually kind of cool. Also, because they're the most like adventure, you know, because like a lot of the secret organizations, which uh, we're about to get to that because we asked this that coming up. A lot of those organizations are made around like fluff conceits, you know, like the Harpers and, and all of that. But Force Grey is very much the, the gamers faction, <laughs> if, if you catch my meaning, because they're the, the one that has the most reason to go out and do things because, you know, you've got like the NPC quest giver who says like, Force Grey, go do this for me. Huzzah. So Jonathan, this one's going out to you first. Buddy of the show and patron, Brendan, asks, what's the game you like that most people seem to not like and why? Man, that's such a tough question. Like, I try and get enjoyment out of every game. But do you have, like, a, what's it called? The uh... it, It's like a dirty secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or guilty pleasure. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, there you go. Guilty pleasure. I'll tell you the game that I don't understand why I enjoy it. And, like, I just keep going back to it. And I, I laugh. I laugh so hard every time I play the darn thing. Bears versus babies and exploding kittens. <laughs> like, on paper, those games should not work. They're so basic. There's nothing for me to grab onto. There's nothing for me to, to bite down on. I swear to you, Robert, every time I play, I just start laughing, especially with exploding kittens. As you wear down the deck and you start getting down to just one bomb left and you know that somebody's going to get screwed, it makes every flip of the card just make me die laughing. <laughs> and it's the same with bears versus babies. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, a lot of games like that, like they're, for me, they're fun to play that first time, but I, I just can't go back to them. Yeah, I don't know what it is about those two. They've, they've tapped into some magic. <laughs> just just the jonathan mojo the wavelengths align well you know usually i'm a pretty discerning guy and like i i know i realize not every game is for me that doesn't mean that every that, that the games i don't enjoy are bad you're not the fun police that's not your job no exactly 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 i mean somebody's somebody's getting a lot of love and affection out of it for sure that otherwise it wouldn't be on the market you know i'll, I'll be the first i'll be the first to be playing a game and and be critical of certain elements of it if it doesn't work you know we we don't necessarily talk about that always on the podcast because we try and keep things as positive as humanly possible. But that doesn't mean that I, I'm not without my critical thoughts. I mean, if you've ever heard me talk about a, a, a movie, you'll know how critical I can be. Also, straight up, uh, there's there's some games that we've played and we did not cover on the podcast because we, yes. Yeah, they just didn't do it for us. They just didn't do it for us. And we're not going to we're not going to spend the time because here's the thing. Getting a hateful rant on the Internet, that is way too easy. Uh, speaking of low-hanging fruit, that is low-hanging fruit of the internet. So we choose not to do that. Yeah, we're we're trying to be a, a, a force of positive influence for for this hobby that we adore and love so much. We we want to bring you the best. We want to bring you the stuff that makes us smile, 
because we feel like that's going to give you the, the same gut reaction. And, and there's just no sense in, in wallowing around in the stuff that doesn't make us smile because you know what? It, it just seems so wasteful in terms of just complaining all the time. Like, there's enough of that. The, the angry nerd rant on the internet is, wait, am I about to say something negative about the angry nerd rant? Okay, that's not our podcast. I will move on. <laughs> but yeah, those two games, like, not to throw shade at them, but there, there's really not a ton there. But man, they just every time, every time I giggle maniacally. <laughs> nice uh i'd have to say my my game that i like for weird reasons that nobody else seems to is uh, dungeons and dragons fourth edition there's a lot to like there though robert to be fair there's a lot to like it was just an imperfect beast yeah i i completely agree and it's one of the reasons why i like unity so much because it addresses several of the problems i had with fourth edition not all of them but a lot but yeah fourth edition it had a lot of really good ideas it had so many ideas I like on paper, and it was just really poorly executed in a lot of ways. You know what 4th edition is, Robert? Hmm. And, and, and I've, th- I've put a lot of thought into this, because when I read through the 4th edition books, like I'm like, oh, I really like that. Oh, I really like that. Oh, I really like that. But then for whatever reason, it just doesn't come together. Yeah. It's like you go to the health food store and you buy your organic, free-range meat. And your organic vegetables and everything. And you're buying the best possible ingredients. And everything is just supreme. And then for whatever reason, it just doesn't come together in the bowl. Or, or to put it another way, it's like uh, when you have your cereal with coconut milk. Oh, man. <laughs> I gotta go and bring that up. <laughs> Literally, I was just nosing around the cupboard. And my wife brought fl- Frosted Flakes home. Like the Trader Joe's brand, but whatever, man. Frosted Flakes are Frosted Flakes. And now I go to the, I go to the, I go to the refrigerator. All that's in there is the coconut milk. Did I ever tell you about the first time I poured coconut milk out? Yes. yes. I thought it had gone bad. <laughs> I didn't realize it was still basically in a solid form. So I poured this out and I'm like, oh, come on. I just ruined this whole bowl of cereal. I think this stuff is old. So to put a little context into this, when I came, uh, when we, my family came to visit, uh, you know, we, we have my, my twins, they're still drinking milk. So we went to the, the local store up there and we bought some milk to, to feed the boys <laughs> and I put it in the fridge and later that evening, Jonathan just looks through the fridge and I see him literally do a double take, like not even figuratively. There, there was this, like, you saw it and then you kind of like looked away, like it registered and you're like, wait, what? And, and then, and then you looked at me and you had this, like, you had this like shame, but like hope about you. Like it was a very strange bouquet, like of your aura. <laughs> And and he said, "Can I can I have some of this milk?" And we're like, "Yeah, sure, man. Like, you're we're staying at your house. Like, yeah, go ahead, eat, eat our f- and and like, dude, you 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 got like a punch bowl that you filled up with with cereal. It's been it been months, if not years, Robert. Years since I had actual milk in my cereal. Dare I say, your reaction to that first spoonful was like near orgasmic. I like watched your face and just like the wave of satisfaction that washed through you as you chewed it up and swallowed it as it went through your body. It it was a sight to behold, sir. It was a thing of beauty. I love my wife very much. And she, she honestly, all she wants is the best for us. So she, she buys health food and stuff like that. And we buy the organic meat and all that other stuff. Right. Yeah. But for whatever reason, she doesn't think that we should be having milk like, she says, oh, we're the only species that drinks another species' milk. I don't care. I, we're probably the only species that eats another species' bacon, too, but whatever. <laughs> um, 
and and you know i know she's only got my best interest in mind but oh man there's just something spectacular about a cold bowl of cereal just drowning in milk and frosted flakes especially because you know then the milk gets all sweet and frosty yeah it's so good oh man it's so good Anyway, we were talking about fourth edition somewhere. Anymore. <laughs> so this was part of your analogy for fourth edition. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I completely derailed you, didn't I? Yeah, just cue, cue that Mad World song by Gary Jules now. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here and just melancholy, just have melancholy thoughts about milk and cereal. Point. I'm upset that I derailed you so bad. I don't even know where I was going. Right you now. were saying the meal doesn't quite come together in the, the bowl. The, the point is the, the the ingredients are all legitimate and awesome, but for whatever reason, the way they bake the casserole doesn't work. Like it doesn't come together. No, I completely agree. It's not a fault of the developers. They put some really, really genuinely clever gameplay elements in there, and so much of it made made its way into fifth edition. Like, people don't even realize how much of, of, of the fourth generation DNA is in fifth. Yeah, well, it's because they, they renamed a lot of it. You know, they didn't, they didn't call it by its fourth edition name. Yeah, but I mean, like, but it's there. Yeah. And fifth wouldn't work without it. Yeah. And, and again, Unity, Unity does a lot. It borrows quite a bit from fourth edition in, in all the right ways. Because my, my big beef with fourth edition was the math was absurd. Well, and that's where it fell apart, I think. I think yeah. that's, that's, that's where the... That's where the the recipe went wrong. Yeah, the math was just absurd. And you can have conspiracy theories or whatnot. You know, like on days I'm feeling more cynical. I'm thinking it has something to do with them wanting to sell, sell a character builder. So they made it complex for the sake of sell, selling the character builder. I don't know. But like Unity, like the math is very streamlined. They only do 10 levels because, you know, 30 was just too much. There's just too much. Like that was part of the problem with that game, too. It was just there, there were so many cool choices, but there were just too many. It was... Because combined with your magic items, at any given round, you typically had nine choices that you could make. Like, you had to do one thing out of, like, nine, and all of them were awesome. And some of them were encounters, and some of them were daily, and some of them were this, and some of them were that. And it was just, it was just, yeah. And Unity streamlines that. There's far less choice to make. There's, it's just great. I, I guess, ultimately, I think that's where fourth kind of fell apart, is it wasn't streamlined. Yeah, yeah, that was a big part of it. It, it, it was like, it was a really close to final draft that somebody needed to go through and be like, and, and just kind of pare down and say, okay, now here's all these great ideas. Let's get to the essence of them all and put this together into a system. Yeah. And really, honestly, that's where fifth shines so much is because it, it does do that. It pairs everything down and it gets it down to essence. You know, Mike Marl said something interesting on the internet when he was talking about fifth, he said, when we designed fifth, we got away from the notion that we had to correct bad players doing bad things in the game and that we didn't make rules for that anymore. We just sort of assumed that you as a player and you as a GM are there to tell a fun story and that's all we cared about. Because if you have a bad player, that's the DM should handle that. The rules don't need to. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe that was part of the magic sauce that they that Forth failed on was it was so rigid because they didn't want people screwing around with stuff. I don't know. Yeah, but I think that's that's losing sight of the goal, right? Because the goal is to to let players tell a story in in an, another world. Yep. And and the the key to that is let the players do it. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, let's go back to Waterdeep. Let's go back to D and D. Let's <laughs> go back to the Force Off White. So, due to Force Gray being pretty thin as a faction, my character is retconning to be a member of the Harpers. 
So Ray needs some extra information on the Harpers. Okay, so the Harpers are kind of like the the good organization in the Forgotten Realms, and they they go way way back, and their their power and influence wax and wane. They're on a they're on an upkick ever since they helped out uh, fighting off Tiamat, as told in the story, uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, and the Rise of Tiamat. But uh, basically, they're a chaotic good group. Uh, they try to keep empires small because they do not like large kingdoms. So they they are they are chaotic. So they they have act- actively worked against even the good kingdoms because they don't want the good kingdoms getting too big. Because in their mind, large empires eventually become despotic. I guess they've got a lot of. It, they're just a really weird history, and they are they are straight up like old school chaotic good, which I think is the interesting thing about them. Or may, or may, maybe maybe the notion of like chaotic neutral, where they will. Or the old school notion of neutral, not that they don't want to take sides, it's like they take both sometimes, you know, they do the wrong thing to the right people and the right thing to the wrong people to kind of get their agenda across, which makes them interesting, but they're, they're yeah, they're kind of a weird faction. Because they, one of the novels, uh, it's by Elaine Cunningham, it's called Elf Shadow, it's about a an assassin that the Harper straight up employ to go murder people, and she's like a good assassin, because when she finds her target, she like, like at the beginning of the novel where they introduce her as a concept, her name's Erilyn. Uh, she breaks into this tower. She goes and wakes up her mark, lets him arm himself, and then duels him and murders him because she's a good assassin. <laughs> um, if you want to read more, uh, there's a second edition book called Code of the Harpers. It's quite good. And if you're if novels are more your thing, uh, Elaine Cunningham's novels are great. They're one of the f- the few D and D novels I've actually ever read where I laughed out loud. This will show my age. In the middle of my high school class, actually, I laughed loudly out loud because uh, the character of Danilo Thon is so stupid and awesome. Uh, but they're called Elf Shadow, Elf Song, Silver Shadows, Thornhold, and the Dream Spheres. And uh, any of those will give you all the Harpery goodness you want because they the, the novels are about the Harpers because it's about two Harper agents doing Harpery business. And then the, the book is just the dry read, uh, Code of the Harpers. So, yes, recommend all of that. So, and this is one I didn't think about before. This is going to be off the cuff, Jonathan. Patreon backer and friend of the show, Brendan asks, you've heard of spirit animals as a way to give a quick impression of what someone else is like. Yeah. Along those lines, what is the spirit game for each of you? And what is the spirit game of the podcast? Oh, man, that's tough. I know, right? Uh, Do you you have one that pops into mind for you? (coughs) I mean, for me, Blood Rage seems like the the obvious one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you if you if you've known me for any any amount of time, you'll know I'm a very passionate person, and part of that passion is that when I get irritated or pissed off at something, I just I'll, I'll have a long, complicated tirade about it, which you ne- you guys never hear on on the podcast. Yeah, no. You try to keep things positive. Yeah, yeah. You didn't hear you didn't hear our thirty minute conversation before we recorded, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, like, fits. look, if you want to talk about spirit animals, basically, <laughs> you know how some people want Morgan Freeman to narrate their life? Inside my head is a tiny Samuel L. Jackson, and he's narrating my life. <laughs> in a very animated, over-the-top way. It's basically Pulp Fiction Sam Jackson is in my head. So, yeah, blood rage. <laughs> Maximum aggression. I mean, would you say that fits? Yeah, I, I guffawed for a reason. Yes. I mean, you've played War Machine against me. You know how I play. <laughs> I, I I do. I do. Uh, my my spirit game is uh, is probably, and I say this very specifically, it's your D and D game. 
especially if you're a GM, I, I think I go back to that meme, you know, where it's like the adventuring party at the beginning of the adventure, where it's like a picture of people from the Game of Thrones <laughs> or something, and then the picture of you at the end, and it's Monty Python. Like, you shall have my ex. You shall have my my bow. Yeah, because I I stress about things and I think about them way too f- hard sometimes, often, frequently, and then by the end of it, I'm I'm just kind of being wacky for my own amusement and hopefully yours but i'll i'll go with that that that's that, that meme that specific D meme i think is my spirit game <laughs> what about the show gosh i was just thinking about that oh 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 hold on let me look it up i have an idea i mean it's gonna have to be something ridiculous so uh, yeah i think our spirit animal is 504 because we take a lot of uh or uh, the podcast at the very least we take a lot of different stuff and we jam it together because, I mean, like last episode, I, I, I covered magic so much. And we're not even remotely a magic podcast, but I, I just went down this rabbit hole of like reading magic news because weird stuff was happening. Yeah, but then we'll, then we'll balance it out with a Patreon exclusive of a, a you know, whole commentary track for a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get off on these weird side tangents about uh, Timothy Dalton. and <laughs> <laughs> I think that's three in a row. <laughs> Woo! Would you agree? Is that good? Yeah, I'd say that's a fair assessment. That's a fair <laughs> assessment. So for those of you not familiar with it, 504 is a game, I believe it was uh, published by Stronghold here in the United States, and it consisted of nine different modules, and there was like a pickup and deliver module, uh, a military module, a production module, Racing. So all, all these kind of like yeah. classic board game tropes, and you would you know arrange them in different orders and end up with these weird, unique games. I don't know that it worked per se as a game, but as an experiment, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was really fascinating. And the thing, the thing about it is, uh, the order mattered. You know, so yeah, like, the order mattered a lot. So the the top three, because uh, I'm looking at a list of them. It's uh, uh, well, the whole list is pick up, deliver, race, privileges, military, exploration, roads, majorities, production, and shares. So one, two, and three. You is, picked three, right? Yeah, Out you picked three. Nine? So, but if privileges was first and race was second and pick up and deliver was last. Like the privileges was the key component of it, but it was like it was. I, I don't know what privileges did. Let's just do. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't know what it did, but that would be the main focus of the game. But there would also be racing, and there would also be pickup and delivering. But if you did racing first, like the game would be primarily about racing with these other two things on the side. And yeah, it's it's a weird, it's a weird game. Yeah, it's from uh, um, Friedman Freeze, right? Yeah. And I've heard I've heard a lot of people say that like it doesn't quite gel right, but it's like fascinating. How can you get something that's that? It's got all those distinct pieces to gel, right? Like I don't think it ever it ever was meant to. I think it's all about the experiment. I was listening to the uh, the latest episode of uh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff, and they were talking about uh, Greg Stafford, and they were talking about his game uh, Prince Valiant. And they said something that it was like uh, it, it was like the Velvet Underground of the gaming scene. It's one of those little weird little niche things that people who make games like are fascinated by it, and you know it's like a springboard of ideas, but it's not really like popular. Does that make sense? Yeah, if I, you- I've tried it. It's 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 really clever. the The problem is that there's never a distinct narrative tying all the pieces together. Yeah, and that's where it kind of falls apart for a lot of people. I just view it as what it is. It's it's a machine that spits out different combinations, and it's it's almost like a role playing experience, and that you have to kind of like create the world that it fits within. And I don't know. I 
I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was a really clever and interesting idea. It's perfect if you're into the idea of making games, because if you find a combination that you think is interesting, but it needs a little iteration to make it work better, like that seems... It's a total designer's toolkit. Absolutely. Yeah. So there you go. It's pricey, too, as I recall, because it's got so much stuff in it. It's 100 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's got a ton of wood in the box. All right. And this is our, our final question, Jonathan. And once again, the awesome great Ray Greenlee weighs in with, you may have talked about this before, but I'm interested in hearing more about what it really takes to run a game store. More about why you got into it, why you got out, and as much of the financial aspect as you're willing to share. Oh, oh, my Lord. Okay. Uh, So I told Ray when he asked this question, we will see where I sit on the scale of existential dread tonight when I answer this question. Because, oh my lord, that store, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack. I just drove by the old store this morning, and I was so sad. I was looking over there, and I'm like, it's not a dance studio. Did you go to the back where our sticker's still on the door? No, I was, on, I was driving someplace. I, I, it I it still says time. 10th Planet on the back. It's funny. I know. You took that picture there with the kids. Yeah, yeah, I did. So, okay, so those of you that don't know, uh, I used to own a shop, and uh, I I got to, like, live the dream for, it was a five-year lease, but I think we were only open for, like, four years and and eight months, something like that. I forget. But, yeah, it was called called Tenth Planet, and, uh, yeah, yeah, opening up a game store. Okay, so overall... I would say the experience was was a good one. Uh, we met. I, I met a lot of awesome people, including uh, you, Jonathan. Indeed, indeed. Arguably one of the most awesome people I met there. <laughs> um, catch you, homie. Uh, you, you'd definitely be on my top five list. It basically okay. So it started like everybody else starts. It starts with the dream, and the company I was working for at the time was like a dream factory. Uh, because a lot of people started following their dreams working for that company, if you catch my meaning. And a lot of cool stuff came out of it, actually. Travel blogs and, and a whole bunch of people just doing just doing crazy stuff. Because, yes, we will not get into that. That is another torrid tale. That is next year's AMA, if you remember, Ray. <laughs> but basically, me and uh, my wife and two other guys that we worked with got this bright idea to open up a game store. And so we started working on it and it took us a long time. And I hammered out the business plan on my wife's birthday one year because I was so angry at the company I was working for at the time that I just had to get this business plan out of my head because I had to like go forward on it. We saved up as much money as we could and we were extremely undercapitalized and the simple fact that we remained open because we closed off our own accord. We didn't, you know, we weren't one of those businesses where you woke up one morning and just all our stuff was gone and we'd like fled in thieves of the night. Like our lease ran out and we left like we 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 opened and we closed and it it, it was it, it was a financial reason, of course, but it wasn't like we we ran out of money. And we had to like run. It was just we our lease was ending and signing another five year lease just didn't seem feasible. So I, I am very proud of that. Like I, I may be a. Uh, a failed businessman, but at least I, I, I my my degree of failure wasn't bad. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to, else to put it. We our time ran out and we left. You know, it like yeah. It's not that it failed; it just didn't make sense to continue. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. That's a better way of putting it. But yeah, we were extremely undercapitalized. Uh, I think we opened the store, if I remember correctly, with like a thirty-seven thousand dollar loan on top of twenty that the four of us pitched in, if I remember correctly. Um, so 57,000, that sounds about right. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. 
we got a space that had previously been a dance studio. We hired a contractor who was a little dodgy, uh, who tore down a couple of walls and put up some shelving that we bought and put there ourselves and painted for us. It wasn't ideal, but it was what it was. Uh, we bought a bunch of fixtures at Ikea. We, we did everything as cheaply as possible. And, you know, I mean, honestly, it probably kind of showed. We did comics. We did board games. We did a little bit of everything. Uh, I've worked at a lot of game shops in my day. Uh, I mentioned Wizards earlier, but uh, my third job while I was in college, I worked at a, a small store that's sadly no, not there anymore called The Game Castle. And then I went over to Wizards. And then from Wizards, I actually got into books, oddly. Uh, I, I worked at Borders. I'm, I'm like a harbinger of doom. You like shouldn't hire me, I guess. Although my last company I worked for is still around and chugging along and making tons of money, so maybe I'm not. Maybe I broke the cycle after that. And so I, I kind of I knew the ins and outs of the game business, and I, I had sense enough that uh, we made kind of a vow when we opened to not run the place like a dream but to run it like a business and that meant that even though i'm really into role-playing games if role-playing games weren't selling we would get out of them and we would go do something else and we would we would just you know chase the money because every game store i've been in unless it's like huge like dragon's lair or one of those just mammoth stores they they tend to have to kind of specialize because the, the they they either attract or the local clientele or whatever just sort of necessitates that and so what we ended up getting into heavily was magic D and D actually because fifth edition was great and uh, and War Machine that was, those were our, our big three and and Magic by far was was psychotically huge out of all of that the comic books we kind of broke even on they got people in the door they were kind of our loss leader the board games kind of sold well Christmas but not so much the rest of the year and you know I mean and we had stacks and 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 such the financial aspect the store never made a ton of money uh, in its height which was our third year. It at best was like grocery money in the Austin area. I don't know if you know this, uh, Jonathan. There is one gaming store that is not subsidized by a working spouse. There is not one. Do you know that? Like I, I not I, even Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer is the only one. That's the okay. only. One. That, I was gonna say. I thought that I didn't think they were. Sorry. There, there is one single one, and it's Dragon Slayer. Everything else is subsidized by yeah, by working I'm not partner. at all surprised. Yeah, and and it it you know, I mean it just is what it is. It, or or independent wealth or whatever. Like the the money's flowing in from a different spigot and they're just putting it into the game store because it's a thing they like. And I don't think like any of those other stores are like losing money. It's just they're not making a ton of money. I, I wish I, I wish I still had access to our financials. Like it's insane how much money that store made in the five years it was open. Um I mean I think it was close to like eight hundred thousand dollars was something was what we made and it was nothing. It was nothing. We we took home so little after everything was said and done. If I had to go back and do it again, well, one, I wouldn't. Uh, we were way too undercapitalized. We're, we were lucky. We were way lucky. Uh, I heard on the D6 Generation, because Russo also owned a shop, he said I, I, I wouldn't do it for less than 100000 and I, I completely agree. Looking back on it, like, yeah, I, I completely agree with that assessment. And I, I know it's, it sounds crazy, like, you know, don't open a business for less than 100000 but yeah, ugh. Looking back on it, I wouldn't have done comics because the comic market is extremely volatile and it almost put out a, a, us out of business at one point. They will remain nameless, but a, a, another comic shop opened relatively close to us. And the thing that you probably don't know about comics is you have to order them two months or more in advance and you don't have a lot of time to change your order. So when the other comic shop opened, things were still going well on the comics front for us. And because we were, you know, 
half-assing comics at best and the other the actual comic shop was you know giving it their all they stole all all our customers and rightfully i mean i'll admit we were we were half-assing it It, i'm not shocked it happened it took me about a month or two to realize what was happening and then by then we still had like another month and a half where we were buying weekly at our at our vendor price seven hundred dollars worth of comics and we were selling about one to two hundred and it almost put us out of business uh we were damn close uh, I had to punch in. We had a line of credit, and I had to punch into that. Basically, it was it was Christmas that saved us that year. I'll say this: I think the uh, the local gaming store is in trouble. I don't know what model they need to follow. If I did, I'd be a richer man than I am. Most of the game stores I see that are still successful are old, and they they have like a, a, a they're they're a thing. They're like a cultural local cultural thing. I think the whole format's in trouble. I don't know how to fix it. Part of me thinks. Uh, in the Austin area, like Vigilante and uh, Emerald Tavern might be onto something, but then you have the whole extra expense of opening up a pub <laughs> on top of everything, which is huge. It, it, that, that, that raises your costs astronomically. Yeah, I don't know. And it makes me sad. I mean, it really does. Well, like, like, so, like so many other things, the, the internet is causing us to rethink things. And here's the thing, too. Like, um, I'm just seeing it in the actions of some of the companies that they're they're aware that things are changing. I, I think the greatest sign of that is because uh, I still keep up on what Wizards does with uh, especially with Magic because that gives you a really clear sign of where because Wizards is extremely good about following the money and and how to best promote their brand. And the simple fact of the matter is they started selling on Amazon uh, recently themselves, and they set their price low enough that I'm sure they're making a pretty penny. But you know the, all the other vendors can't compete with wizards but wizards price on magic on amazon is i believe four dollars higher than what we were buying it for and then we would have to mark it up and you know people are like oh we'll just match the the thing on the internet but it's like dude i would have to you know when you're making 17 cents on a pack like you have to sell so many packs to make like to make that up the the fact that wizards i mean wizards is really pushing streams wizards is really pushing amazon right now and i i think it's telling uh, about where things are going like uh, i know magic stopped doing promotional cards for friday night magic that that phased out recently how about this i hate i hate to be negative we're not a negative podcast but yeah if it look if i had to do it again now i don't think i would uh, i don't think the market's in a good spot i i realized when we got into it that i i thought the market could last another five years and it did but yeah the, the, god that last year we had was so rough like that last year was so rough jonathan i i can't even tell you and like things obviously shifted that last year we were open we had a lot more people. Like the the last Christmas we were open, we had so many more people using us as a showroom. Like obviously using us as a showroom, where it was maybe like a once a month thing. I would catch. It was becoming daily as we got closer to Christmas. And yeah, it's just it's just rough, man. So yeah, if you have got a good lo- local gaming store, like go go give them a hug because it's rough. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. I I I did okay. I don't have any. I don't have any complaints. A lot of good came out of that. Store. A lot of good came out of that store. But yeah, it, it's a rough business to get into. It's a really, really rough model. And I, I think the thing you got to remember is you can't just expect to open up a store and have gamers come. Like, like retail has to become like a destination, and you really got to think about what what experience you are selling, and not necessarily the games at this point. And you know, I mean, Magic's the obvious one. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Where where does that make me fall on the uh, on the the existential dread? I don't know. Pretty light. There's days. There's there's days, man, where I'm. I, oh, I'm just so hateful. 
<laughs> no, I don't think you're hateful at all. No. <laughs> and there's days where I'm like, oh, I want to run my business again. It was so much fun. And that's the thing. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was, it was, it was so, it was, it was so scary. It was so scary and so stressful. And I'm so glad that store is closed. And I don't have to worry about it so much. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm, I'm so mad. Like every day for me was bring my daughter to work day. I raised a one at that store. It's reflective in her personality. She has like no problem talking to adults ever. Like she will just, yeah. she will just gab with an adult. And you'd, you'd, it's rare to see kids like that. And I have, I have adults telling me all the time how nice she is, how polite she is. And, and it's like, yeah, it's because, you know, she was raised to be a good little sales lady. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much good. And then there's just so much in comics. Oh, God, don't get me started on comics. Well, let's 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 end it. Let's end it on positive. I, I, I just want to say on a positive note, if again, if you're into comics, comic comics, you can make really, really good money on comics. You just don't don't think you can kind of half 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 do it. You got to go all in. Well, Robert, that brings us to the end of episode 50. Our mid-centennial. Yeah. Did you ever think it was going to make it this far? Uh, no, mainly because I tend not to think that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> think of it, man. That's two and a half years of podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, our, our anniversary is like in July. Oh, yeah. Close enough. Close, Close enough. enough. Close enough for government word. Yeah. Well, once again, as always, we uh, reach out to you and say, hey, come join us on our digital domains. We really, really want to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, chime in on your top fives. Yes. I'd love to see what your top fives are. Yes, and do them in the order that I put them in in our podcast. And frankly, I love that spirit animal question. I want to see what people's spirit animal game is. I think <laughs> that's a great question. But yeah, I, I, I numbered our list as 1A, Uno, First, and Finn. <laughs> Because it's not, it's not a numerical top five. It's the broad top five. And if you ever want to see what my internal monologue is like during the course of any given day, just go watch Pulp Fiction. And pretty much Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction is, is my internal monologue. Well, see, because you, you get the external version sometimes. I know I do. I, I got it earlier today. <laughs> You've heard me rant. Yes, I have. I can rant when I want to. I can leave my friends behind. Because if you don't rant, then you don't rant, and then you're no friend of mine. I can rant. I can rant. Everybody lose your pants? That's everybody look at your hands. I know, but it sounds like he's saying lose your pants. I've never understood that song. Everybody lose your pants. Everybody look at your hands. He's all over the place. You should watch the video. It's amazing. They're just dancing. They're just dancing around the town. Yeah, it's great. New wave, man. 80s. Strange, magical time. Good stuff. Good stuff. I was uh, listening to, uh, what's that song from uh, uh, One Night in Bangkok? Came on. And I was listening to that, and uh, somebody said, oh, man, I remember when this song was on the radio. And I said, you know, this is from a musical, right? Blew his mind. Wait, what? Do you not know this either? (laughs) No. Explain. Uh, One Night in Bangkok is a song from a, 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 a musical. It's from a musical called Chess. What? Hold on, that's going to go on the Wikipedia. <laughs> no, I didn't, you didn't know either. This is crazy. It's uh, yeah, I think it's by like either the songs or the ABBA had something to do with it. When I in Bangkok is a song from the concept album and subsequent musical Chess by Tim Rice and Benny Anderson and Bjorn Ulvelis. Yeah, isn't that the guy from ABBA? Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Weird. Now I got to read about Chess. Oh, this is oh, this is good. I got reading material tonight. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't remember what the the, the whole story of chess is about. Like it's uh, it's a love story, if I remember correctly. It's been a long, long time since I I read or I watched it. Tell you what, we will we will bring this up next time if it, if it's worth going over because I th- those are open now for for later reading. Much like a lot of things that you bring up in this podcast, I'm like, I want to know more about Manimal. I vaguely remember watching on Sci-Fi Channel. Look, man, I may not be able to remember important dates like my wedding anniversary, but I can remember me some weird crap from the 80s. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the Misfits of Science? Oh, my God. Yes, I do. <laughs> do you know most of that shows on YouTube for free? Shut up. Really? Yeah, I found the channel. <laughs> really yeah yeah so imagine this show doesn't hold up all that well (laughs) yeah really (laughs) i'll send i'll find i would have never guessed that a that that a a mid-80s tv show about super-powered humans and their adventures would not do well in terms of like historical aging (laughs) and go watch amazing stories i think it's on the nbc app for free wait a minute 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 isn't that the show that like Courtney Cox got her start in, like yes. way before Friends? Yes. Oh, that's why she played the I, teenage psychic, so where she'd like head. grab her hair and everything would go like uh, like reverse color, whatever that's called. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! And there's that Johnny guy who would sing Johnny Be Good and shoot lightning. Was it you that was telling me about the Room, the movie The Room? No, no, I've never seen The Room. Oh man, it is just wow. Oh hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hit her. I didn't. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Lisa, you're tearing me apart. Oh, my God. Let's go throw around a football, Jonathan. Yeah, let's just do that. Let's just do that. Well, that's what we do on rooftops. Yeah. If, if you oh, just go Google the room. Worst movie ever. You're welcome. Six million dollars. That guy managed to pull together for that friggin' movie. Is this our cleanse after after my my existential dread about owning a shop? <laughs> <laughs> Is this our drinking lemon tea for a couple of days? Oh my god! Do you know what they called misfits of science in Germany? Yes, I heard this. It's funny. I don't remember. <laughs> Super minds. <laughs> Die Spezialisten Unterwegs. Uh... All right. Are we finished with our juice cleanse? Have we gotten the toxins out? In, in Brazil, it was called curto circuito. Obviously not. Short circuit. Los clienticos rebeldes. <laughs> the rebel scientists. Jonathan, you're stealing all my thunder. We haven't even gotten to the final thought yet. Holy crap. Do you know what this was the, the first writing or who, who, uh, who wrote for the show? No. And it was his first writing gig in Hollywood? No, who? Tim K- uh, Kring or whatever his name is, the, the guy that would later launch that hero show. <laughs> Talk about a one trick pony, man. I guy's like, oh, man, I waited like 20 years, but it's my year. He's like, I got to redeem the misfits of science. There was something there. There was something there. Where's my manimal reboot? I don't know, Jonathan. Are we done? I got cake and ice cream waiting for me downstairs. <laughs> I got to YouTube and see if uh, misfits of science intros on. Oh, God, that theme song's bad. Oh, yes. Oh, my God, I remember this when he's got the, the TV on and the guy's playing the ca- uh, the piano on it. Yep. Oh, that's good stuff right there. You're welcome, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm sending it's you the so link to the bad. whole series. Here you go. It's Have fun. so bad.
Have fun. I'm going to watch all of it. I know. I know you are. <laughs> oh, that's the good stuff. Is that the podcast we should make? The Misfits of Science <laughs> podcast? Is that our that's, spinoff show? That's what we needed to go through. It's just like obscure crap from the 80s podcast. This is our Manimal Retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to 80s TV, episode 93. So today we're watching Manimal, season one, episode five. <laughs> Also known as, oh crap, we just got canceled. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> you mean a show about a cop who turns into animals and fights crime in New York isn't going to work? <sighs> there it is. There it is. There it is. Pass the duchy to the left-hand side, Robert. Yeah, Jonathan, get to the final thoughts for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Robert, it's that time of every show. We've laughed, we've cried, we've hurled, we've traded insults. Yeah. We've wa- waxed and waned in- intellectually. And it's that time, as always, for our, that 50th time. Robert, any final thoughts? I don't think it's the 50th time. I think we started doing that after a few episodes. Oh, God, don't make me backhand you. <laughs> in any event... I will go blood rage on you. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything. Misfits of Science, I was saving that for my final thought, but you, I used it early. <laughs> Those misfits. Of science, yeah. Misfits of science, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Jonathan. I, I, sorry, sorry about getting kind of dark at the end of the show. I apologize. It won't happen. Don't again. worry. Hey, 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 hey. When we said ask us anything, we meant ask us anything. And it's the answers you wanted. If you don't want the darkness, my old friend, don't ask. But let me tell you, if you ask us, if you ask us anything, there's always the chance that we will delve randomly into some weird TV show from the 80s. That's true. That's true. I, I didn't even bring. Oh, shoot. What's that one? It wasn't Manhunter. Highwayman. Do you remember the Highwayman? Oh, heck yeah, I do. Jocko. <laughs> trucks from the future. It turns into a helicopter. <laughs> they, had a, they, they had an obsession with uh, people turning into helicopters. Because if you recall, Auto Man had the same thing going on. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. We will do, we will do our, our Highwayman retrospective next episode. But but we're going to set up the Misfits of Science. we got to watch some Misfits of Science. That's our homework, people. There will be a link in the show notes. <laughs> Misfits of Science, episode episode one, oh, I guess. God. It's Glenn A. Larson! Yeah. The Highwayman was Glenn A. Larson. Yes, God, man, that man is everywhere. I know. I know. Why didn't you make that board game up when you were on uh, the uh, Saturday board game serial? The Highwayman. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. It was like Mad Max and Knight Rider had a terrible child. Yes, it was. All right, let, let the people go, Jonathan. We've cleansed <laughs> All it right, so we've cleansed Robert, it without, we've any, the without any out. further ado, for, for the 50th plus time, <laughs> party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. Those misfits. <laughs> misfits of science. Yeah! <laughs> God, the 80s, man, what happened? The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 